the blast from our past network. Lock your doors, close your windows, turn out your lights, for chills and thrills await you. It's time for Podcasting After Dark with your hosts, Corey Stevenson and Zach Schaefer. Stay with a friend, say your prayers as grisly ghouls close in to seal your doom. Tonight's episode, Sorority Babes in the Slimeball Ballorama, starring Andrus Jones, Linnea Quigley, and Dookie Flyswatter. What's up, everybody? Welcome to a special episode of Podcasting After Dark. I am one half of the pad team, Corey, a.k.a. Sleazy C, joined with me, as always, by my brother from another mother, Zach the Total Snackage Schaefer. And this episode is sponsored by The Life and Slimes of Dookie Flyswatter and The Haunted Garage, an upcoming documentary movie that is being uh, funded on Indiegogo right now uh, by Kevin Von Esper. So go check that out. You can find everything at dookiedoc.com or go follow him uh, on Instagram at dookiedoc.com. And we are going to be talking about Dookie Flyswatter a lot in this movie. And uh, it's the reason we are breaking down sorority babes and the slime ball bolorama because spoiler alert dookie flyswatter plays the imp but before we get into all of that zach how's it going my man oh i'm feeling good because i just got let out of a bowling trophy you know what I'm saying? No, I'm not even going to go there. I'm just going to not gonna even go there. I, I'm just going to let uh, Dookie do his thing. It's the best best part of this movie is the Duker. The Duker. This is true. And by the way, I tried uh, workshopping a voice earlier, but it just came out as Fat Albert. So I was like, you know what? We're just going to table that one for later. <laughs> you mean you're talking about Fat Albert? <laughs> now that sounded like a mix between Bill Cosby and what's his name that we used to used to do all the time. Randy Newman? I'm back. Yeah, there you go. Oh, great. <laughs> He's back. We haven't heard. Uh, <laughs> we haven't heard Cosby Newman. Co- what did? What do we call him? Randy Cosby. Randy Cosby. That's right. We haven't heard Randy Cosby in a hot minute. But uh, well, I might have to make some appearances in this one because let me tell you something. There's some. Uh, well. A lot of people in this who might have been drinking. <laughs> this is true. This is true. So before we get into everything, as always, uh, I'll go into what my experience with this movie is. Um, next to nothing. I was <laughs> aware of its existence. Um, I, I'm Some of it looked familiar. So I'm sure I saw some of it on Skinamax or uh, the famously the um, Up All Night um, episode with uh, that Linnea Quigley actually co-hosted was the most popular episode they ever did of USA Up All Night. And uh, maybe I caught it on there because I used to watch it all the time. Um, but other than that, I've always loved the poster for this. I think it's absolutely stunning. Almost maybe looks like the same artist who did all, you know, all the earlier uh, Andy Sedaris stuff. But either way, it falls into that category of amazing 80s, you know, painted posters before they became fucking Photoshop floating heads in the 90s. So, you know what? I love this poster. And uh, yeah, yeah, it's probably one of the top five better parts of this movie is that poster. So, yeah, as Kevin uh, pointed out, and and we obviously noticed too, the, the, the poster art is really good. Um, the Linnea Quigley, the, le- the lead 
woman on the poster is not Linnea Quigley. No, no. And that's very obvious. <clears throat> um, I'm wondering, it's almost like a, 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 she looks more like Babs than she does Linnea Quigley, but, but neither. She looks like neither of them. True. But then Babs is on there as well. Yeah, she is. Her, yeah. Yeah. So it's interesting. Um, yeah, I don't have a, a deep connection to this film either. I may have seen certain scenes uh, as a teenager, perhaps. I'm sure I did. And uh, that's about it. Um, there were a few watching it recently. I was like, oh, yeah, I remember that scene. Or, oh, yeah, I remember that scene. Uh, but other than that, and, and then the imp actually stood out to me. I might have seen that on a collection of um, Gorgon video uh, put out like the compilation video clips and sort of gore zone fangorious gore zone mm-hmm. i think put out stuff like that too however i don't think the gore in this would would uh qualify as gore zone level no, gore no in fact not the special all. effects being probably as as bottom of the barrel as you can get yeah outside of the imp the imp effects are actually pretty decent for 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 the rest of the movie yeah um but man the the gore effects are are probably the worst gore effects uh i have ever seen in a movie we've covered on pat agreed and i mean i was expecting gore that includes cyborg by the (laughs) way that includes cyborg and yeah dude agreed i was expecting gore in this movie and most of it happens off screen you know because they don't have the budget to do things like severed heads and fake bodies and whatnot but i was i was shocked my first viewing at how little actual on-screen gore is in this movie yeah, agreed. That being said, for a movie that, uh, if you cut out the opening credits and the closing credits, a movie that is essentially 70 minutes long, yeah. uh, I don't have too many negative things to say outside of the... I, I actually overall enjoyed this. Uh, I, I would have preferred almost to see just a movie, a screwball comedy movie of the, the three uh, buddies, quote-unquote, uh, and their ang- and their antics. I was like, I'm down for more of an 80s sex romp uh, comedy than than I am for like kind of a gore fest. Which well, you know, I got more of the sex rom com than I did the uh, the gore gore. Right. And I think, uh, dude, I'm pretty much exactly the same as you. Um, I actually enjoyed myself with the movie. It's not perfect. It is as B movie as they come. But it still has a lot of things to to enjoy about it. Um, like you said, the imp being one of them. Uh, I liked Jimmy, by the way. I think he's fantastic. Actually, I liked all three of the guys. Um, I liked all the characters sort of in general. Like you, I just didn't want them in this movie. I wanted them in like just a fun sex romp comedy because the deaths aren't that great anyway. So why sort of go in that direction if you can't do it? And weirdly, I think all the the characters were pretty like decently written to the point where I found them to be fun. So I was like, I don't want them to die and I want to see them do more. And I think they could have done more with like a, just a straight comedy versus trying to, you know, shoot in a, in a bowling alley at night and, and all the logistics of the special effects that go into this film. I think it could have made for a better uh, rom-com. Now it is a comedy. We, we all have to admit this is a comedy first and, and a horror movie second. It's obviously a parody of horror movies and everything like that. But the horror aspect of this film definitely lands a lot shyer than the comedy sex romp aspect true and uh kind of 
piggybacking on that and, 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 and not to divulge too much of the plot uh, yet, but dare I say this movie might be better than Wishmaster. Man, Wishmaster is one of those movies that I watched a ton as a kid, but I have not seen it in probably 20 years at this point. I'd be down mm. for revisiting Wishmaster maybe, but yeah, dude, it's it's and, and as far as like full moon stuff goes, like I was more into I think we talked about before like subspecies was sort of I watched that more um you know uh uh, uh puppet the the puppet master stuff I watched that more than this um but yeah it's 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 a B movie man it's it's exactly what you think it is and you know what maybe as an example of you know just right in the middle 1988 you know B movies this is a good example of what you can accomplish with them with a shoestring budget, but also I think it's an example of sort of the quality that they land at. And you know, you want to say Hard Ticket to Hawaii was a, a B movie, and we we it's great that we reviewed that pretty much right before this one, back to back, and because and that was 1987, so they're pretty much they would I would put them in sort of like the same sort of category as B schlock, but man, Hard Ticket to Hawaii is has so much more going on than this movie does. I'm sure it also had a bigger budget too, but just so much more was happening in Hard Ticket to Hawaii than than in this. Yeah, yeah, Kevin, uh, when he when when Kevin was on with us the other day, uh, doing our little interview with him. Uh, you know, he was very upfront and honest about the, this, the quality of this movie, yeah. saying it's, you know, it's, it's silly. It's silly. So going into it, I'm like, I'm expecting total silly ridiculousness. And I was not let down. Um, but, you know, we'll get all into that in just a little bit. Yeah. And, and before we do, let's hear from Kevin Von Esper on his thoughts on Sorty Babes and the Slimeball Bolorama. So what what are your thoughts on this film and where it sits in his, you know, pantheon of of movies and everything, of, of Dookie Flyswatter's movies? Yeah. Sorority Babes and the Slimeball Bolorama is a really dumb movie. <laughs> and um, people love it for that reason, I think. I mean, I think this is one of those movies that has a really great title with a movie attached to it. Not to say there's not nuggets of gold in it, but I mean, come on, this is not a great movie. No. <laughs> but it is very significant because it's it, it's this movie is really the epicenter of that whole VHS, you know, horror, B-horror comedy scene of the 80s, you know, with the Fred Olin Rays and, and all those people. Sorority Babes uh, is the first movie that starred the big three scream queens, Frank Stevens, Michelle Bauer and Linnea Quigley. And the only other movie they did together in that era is, where's my props, Nightmare Sisters, mm-hmm. yes. which was literally filmed about three or something days after this. It was like definitely within the same month, you know, and they're, so they're very closely associated. It's the same director. Um, Dookie Flyswatter, of course, in Sorority Babes, Babes plays the voice of the imp. So he wasn't actually on set for this. But on this, he plays Omar, and uh, Nightmare Sisters, he plays Omar, who gets his head ripped off in the beginning scene. And also Haunted Garage does this, the awesome soundtrack, including the awesome title song, Sorority Sisters Succubus, available to the public for the first time ever on my Indie Gorgor campaign. Mm. Um, and yeah, let's see, Sorority Babes, 
it's an okay movie. The, the big three, <laughs> David Dakota, you know, a mall, which I think was underutilized. Those are my general thoughts on it. <laughs> I also always thought it had a fantastic poster to it as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think the poster... Like, as you can tell, it was probably made before the movie was made. Totally. Yeah. None of these people look like anyone in the movie, really. The only yeah, thing they think, think they got right was Linnea's outfit. But yeah, it's right. definitely not Linnea Quigley on the cover. Right. No, not at all. So, you know, that's that's just the beauty of those kind of movies back in the day. You know, like a great artwork, great title, something to get you to rent it in the video store because it was that era, you know. And um, some a little bit of TNA, uh, just stupid monsters. Like it's not taking itself too seriously. But before the era where they were self-referencing how they are not taking themselves too seriously, yeah, it's it's a very golden era nugget, you know, from the late '80s horror scene, uh, yeah. B horror scene. It's it's kind of like the ultimate '80s B horror movie, really. Now, we should note that Zach and I are reviewing the uh, Full Moon Blu-ray that I think came out uh, maybe last year or just pretty recently. But the claim to fame that this thing has is uh, David Dakota, the director, uh, he has like a little intro to this. And basically, uh, the, the the VHS version, the TV versions, all that kind of stuff, all were, were sort of uh, mastered off of the same piece of crap reel that they had back in the day and he said they actually found the original 35 millimeter work print uh for this movie and that's what they struck the master of for this blu-ray off of so this is in theory the best sorority babes and the slimeball ballorama has ever looked that's great that's great and yeah uh you know whether that's a good thing or not with some of the benefit of hd seeing the skin of certain quality of certain people, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, because all the glory gets m- m- kind of muddied up sometimes in the uh, in the the, the 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 washed out prints or whatever. And you know, it is what it is. You can see, oh, somebody didn't use their acne spray that day, <clears throat> <laughs> and also somebody forgot to include subtitles on this. So um, I was breaking guys, it down, <laughs> guys and on. gals. Your old pal Corey here is breaking this one down and walking us through it. I had a damnedest time trying to figure out what the imp was saying in some parts. So um, I did. I think I got most of it, but one scene in particular, he says something that I think is pivotal, and I can't understand it. And I have a note in here, so y'all, you all will hear that. I'll tell you when I don't know exactly what he's saying, but, oh, guys and gals, if you're out there and you make Blu-rays, please put the subtitles on it. Please, please, please. <laughs> yeah, thankfully, this movie's only an hour and change, yeah. so uh, I, I feel for you, bro. Yeah, I feel for you. You're like, I'm just glad I didn't have to do it. <laughs> yeah, I really. <laughs> but let's get into the cast and crew yeah. and whatnot. Yeah. Um, Andres Jones plays Calvin. Andres, you'll know him mostly from A Nightmare on Elm Street Part 4. Yeah. Uh, the Dream Master. Was it Dream Master? Yeah, the Dream Master. Um, he was in that. He played um, uh, Rick, and I loved him as Rick in The Dream Master. I have a really, ultimately, uh, I think the reason why I don't love the franchise movies of, like, Nightmare and friday the 13th more is because i 
fall in love with certain characters that ultimately get killed really quickly. And I'm like, oh, but I really like that guy. Oh, lame. <laughs> and I think that's, you know, because I'm a hero guy and I always favor or I always enjoy the heroes more than the villains. And so when I see these guys getting taken out, it really bums me out. And he was really cool in that movie. He was um, also he, in Alien Nation, the the TV series. Yes. Yes, he was. And a, and a handful of genre films uh, and, and genre projects that I think people would appreciate. He was in a movie called The Attic Expeditions, um, which is really good, actually. If, if you've never seen that, Jeffrey Combs and Seth Green and Wendy Roby from um, uh, People Under the Stairs yeah. is in it as well. It's a really good movie. I highly recommend the Attic Expeditions. Okay, okay, that's cool. I mean, I I actually really liked uh, Andres Jones uh, in this as Calvin. I I liked him a lot. Um, so yeah, my my second favorite, and I'll kind of go out of order just because I'm talking, is Hal Havens, and he plays Jimmy in the movie. Uh, probably most everybody knows him um, as Stooge from Night of the Demons, uh, the guy with the pig nose. Um, he was great in Justified, and he's also been in Parks and Rec, but. I adored him in this film. I thought he was great. Didn't want to see his character die. Again, goes to the fact that I just wanted to see a, a rom-com or whatever, a sex-com with all these people because I didn't want them to die. But I thought he was honestly my favorite of the trio. I thought his performance was weirdly honest. Like, he just act, he he to me, he felt exactly like he was supposed to feel. Like, he was a frat boy. Um, but I, I didn't get the sense that he was, like, a piece of shit or anything. You know what I mean? And, uh... I thought it was funny, and I, I love the fact that he literally talked the way, like, cartoons and stuff, you know, kind of made fun of, like, like West Coasters or L.A. people talking. But, like, it was it was interesting. And, in, in, you know, we saw examples of that in, like, like, remember, like, the cartoon Denver, The Last Dinosaur and stuff like that? But, and that was, like, they're playing a parody on that way of talking. But here, you actually hear it, like, in its truest form. And it's he's just talking that way. And guys and guys, I can't really describe it. You have to sort of hear it. But it's that, it's that 80s yeah, L.A. style of talking. And it was cool. It was actually kind of cool to hear it in its natural environment and not be a parody. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, he's he's great. He's he's very entertaining. I no complaints whatsoever. He's also in R- Witch Trap as well, uh, which is another Kevin Tenney film. Mm, okay, um, which stars the 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 same villain from Witchboard. So uh, <laughs> that's on my list of movies to see that I have not seen oh, recently. Re- that's yeah. remarkable that you've not seen yes. it. I've, I think this is the first time in almost pushing three years that you mentioned a movie you haven't seen before. So <laughs> <laughs> it can happen. It can happen. Um, Linnea Quigley, of course, she plays Spider. Oh, Linnea, she's a, she's a legend. Uh, she's a scream queen legend. And so I don't necessarily need to tell you guys what movies she's been in. Um, hot take. She's not really good in this. Uh, whether that has to do with the fact that she was drinking a lot on set or maybe everybody was or getting drunk, allegedly. Um, it's just very, her delivery is really hard to take at times. I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. Her delivery is exactly the same as, as Return of the Living Dead. And as much yep. as we all love trash, 
I've never thought she was a great actress. Uh, I, I love her to death. Like, I, I, I like her as a person and everything, but I was never, like, a big fan of her acting. And uh, as uh, go, growing up, Return of the Living Dead and Night of the Demons were probably the two things that I sort of knew her from the most. And I will say... I did very much enjoy seeing her in a hero role in this movie. I should say a reluctant hero role, but I actually yeah. liked that. And I, aside from the way she delivered things, I liked her persona, even if I didn't like all like even if I didn't love the way she delivered her lines. I liked the persona she was giving off. Yeah, I agree with you. Hufa, um, come on, guys. Mm. Let's be honest. Come on, you you, you know like she's not the best actress yeah. she really she and and if i take shit for that uh, i'll die on that sword it's like it's sincerely she's not that great uh, uh, dude, i'll die case in point savage streets when she plays the the blind sister oh yeah yeah it is like that's how you play a blind a it was like a trauma role yeah. i mean you know it's really rough that's funny uh, i i always forget that role that she played because she's her energy she was so that role she was so different in that movie than any other movie that i've seen her in you know and and not just because it was before she you know had her augmentation and everything she did play it differently but i'm with you it still was like eh. and i think at the end of the day i mean trash is still my favorite role because return of the living dead is still my favorite but at the end of the day I, i'll take this over her role in savage streets any day yeah, me too. Yeah. <laughs> Plus, Savage Streets, that's got a rough scene in it. So go go I back just, and listen to our review, and you'll know what we're talking about. Yeah, and I think people, you know, think uh, think of when you think of trash, they think of once she becomes post-zombie yeah. and, and how cool that is. And literally, it's like 30 seconds. I mean, she's in it and out. But, but, when, she, know, and she's, but when she gives her speech, like, uh, you know, about what her biggest fear is, be torn apart, and she delivers the lines exactly the same way she delivers them in this movie. And even as yeah, a kid, very, I hated the way she delivered those lines. I agree. <laughs> uh, so, you know, there you go. Linnea, uh, we I still love you. <laughs> we, yeah, we do. We do. And Scream Queens aside, this this movie could could actually benefit more from having less Scream Queen and more the, the other three um, who we'll get to as well. The other three uh, sorority sisters are actually really good. Yeah. So like oh, uh, fact, uh, Frankie and Rhonda and all them. Yeah. Versus yeah, I think they're pretty decent Yeah, versus Taffy and Lisa and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. Robin still plays Babs Peterson. Unfortunately, uh, Robin still uh, committed suicide. Oh shit. In 96. Um, she allegedly had a rough drinking problem. Oh. I mean, this is on her, on her IMDb. Um, and they, they believe that drinking might have contributed to her untimely death at the age of 34 in 1996. Damn. Uh, she had two kids, which is such a bummer. So um, she's really good in this. She was actually in American Ninja 4. American Ninja 4 is a really decent uh, sequel uh, in the American Ninja series. Did, She's also in the Slumber went, Party Massacre. I love how you went really decent sequel <laughs> it is it is actually a lot of those a lot of those martial art ninja films are actually not that bad um you know those straight to video like the the, the acting's pretty darn good so like and she i think she's a pretty good actress it's a, such a shame that her life and career ended as soon as early as it did. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I actually loved her in it, and uh, I know she was in uh, the Slumber Party Massacre, uh, a movie that 
mm, I think I've seen once a long, long time ago, and uh, it's it's on my queue to to rewatch. Um, it, but it's pretty high on my queue. I do want to watch that one. Allegedly, my neighbor is one of the uh, sorority girls in that. Oh, so okay, very cool. Yeah, very cool. Um, John Stewart Wildman plays Keith. Oh, Keith, <laughs> I the only dude I think who would back out of wanting to bone michelle bauer at that time <laughs> and like the only dude and I, come on and i love how he's clearly you know a 20 you know five-year-old guy he looks pretty young but you know still not a teenager but he does a great job of making his voice kind of break and have this like persona of being sort of like a, a little bit of a goober i mean the three guys are kind of goobers in this although calvin i think is supposed to be the most goobery of them but i thought john stewart wildman did a great job of just portraying that role he could have got laid and he turned it down so he's a goober he, he turned it down because he didn't think it was the right thing to do and he just thought she wouldn't think so either and i was like that alone that sentiment alone should have kept you alive to the end of the uh the movie you know true yeah yeah and so you <laughs> and you mentioned three uh, uh screen queens now this movie is famous for having three of the biggest screen queens of the time linnea quigley yes. brink stevens and michelle bauer all in one movie. I believe this is the only movie they were all featured in. Uh, but um, the Nightmare Sisters. The night, also. Exactly. Oh, the night. Yeah, the Nightmare Sisters. Yep. And uh, so, Taffy played by Brink Stevens. Lisa played by Michelle Bauer. Uh, Zach, when you want to go into Brink Stevens's uh, filmography. I mean, I'd rather do Michelle Bauer's, but uh, you know, we're going to Brink <laughs> first. Uh, yeah. I mean, Brink Stevens has been in so. I mean, she Slumber Party Massacre, uh, Slave Girls to uh, Slave Girls Beyond Infinity uh, is another fun one. Um, I mean, she's she's a she's a TNA girl. She's sorry, she's a TNA yeah, scream queen. Yeah. Like she's she's known for showing off her body. So. Uh, you know, it makes makes you get a little bit uh, happy in the in the in the fun zone downstairs. You know what I'm saying? If you swim in these B movie waters, you definitely have seen her at least. A- absolutely, and Michelle Bauer. Yeah. If you sl- if you swam in these and or uh, softcore late night Cinemax movies, yeah. Michelle Bauer has been in everything and has shown everything. All three of them have have just have been fully. Uh, you, you just know everything about them, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> I mean, th- this movie uh, has the most full frontal nudity we've ever had in a pad movie to date. Which, and but by the way, uh, Linnea Quigley does not get naked, which is you know that that's cool. Um, but lots She's got some like underboob or whatever you call oh, that. You, yeah, it's constant underboob because uh, Linnea Quigley's wearing the outfit that's on the cover of the poster, and uh, yeah, God God bless her underboob. Um, <laughs> Rhonda and Frankie, uh, both of the uh, the sorority sisters that are part of the hazing process with Babs. Um, I unfortunately at first uh, had a hard time figuring out who was who because Kathy O'Bright, uh, who plays Rhonda, does not have a picture. And uh, Carla B., uh, who plays Frankie, um, yeah, her picture didn't quite look like her in the movie, so I was trying to figure it out, but I figured it out. Um, but yeah, both of them, I actually very much enjoyed both of their performances. Uh, I'd probably say I'd go more with Carla B. as Frankie. I thought she was a bit better. Yeah, yeah, I thought both of them were fine. Um, I, I actually, when they delivered their lines, I'm like, you're actually, this is pretty decent, you know, for. For, for a B movie. Yep. And it's not slow and everything is emphasized. 
which is what Linnea does. I mean, you know, but but they're probably like David, the director, was probably so happy to have her because, again, she's a legend and legendary. Um, but someone who delivers their lines like a pro, a master, is George Buckflower, my boy, who plays the janitor. My boy. Oh, he uh, he is, aside from Jimmy as being the main character, one of my favorite main characters, Buckflower is fantastic in this movie. I love his performance. I love his character as the janitor. But yeah, wh- where do we know him from, Zach? Run the John Carpenter credits. He's, uh, you know, he was in Escape from New York. He was in They Live. Um, th- those were two of the more memorable roles, but uh, Starman, mm-hmm. right? And, uh, you know, I love I love him in Escape from New York when he's like, yeah, I'm the president. When I put this thing on my wrist, I knew I'd be the president. <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah, dude. And then he becomes the rich guy at the end of They Live. He's like, come on, guys, get with the program. This is the way it's supposed to be. He's so good, and he's his performance is so much fun in this movie. Yeah, he's he's been I mean, he's a legendary actor. Unfortunately, he passed away at the age of 66, which is relatively young. If you think about it Uh, in 2004, really fun actor, in my opinion, elevates this movie with his uh, short screen time appearance. And I wish he hadn't gotten killed. Yeah. Spoiler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he does. And finally, we mentioned it sort of at the top, but uh, Uncle Impy, the imp, is played by Michael Sonier, which is. Dookie Flyswatter. Yes. I mean, again, I'm not super familiar with uh, Dookie's body of work, but he's, and, and obviously he's he's contributed more to other movies than this one, but he's great. I, he kind of steals the show, in my opinion, as, as the imp. The imp steals the show. And when it's on, when he's on screen, when his voice is on screen, you want to listen. Yeah. And he's just so good. He's so good. Yeah. He's he's a lot of fun. Yeah. I agree with you. He's a lot of fun. And uh, you know what? I'll, I'll dare say the, the little puppet thing ain't bad. It ain't bad. No, it looks really good. It looks really good. Uh, and I'm actually really impressed. They probably put more money. It seems like they would, they put the most of the money into that puppet and it looks great. Yeah. Um, I want to point out too the the writer Sergey uh, Hannes uh, John Lev <laughs> Doctor Rosenpiece. I was just looking it's at Doctor Rosenrose. I was just looking at his name as you took it and started talking. I was like, my first thought was, man, I'm glad I don't have to say that name. Hasn't well, you know, he wrote one movie. Yes, and it was this one. It was this one, and and apparently there was only one. Like it was a first draft. He wrote there's one draft, and they're like, "That's good." Doesn't surprise me. No, no, me me neither. Me neither. And uh, but the director, David Dakota. David Dakota. uh, A lot of people should know who he is. Um, Creepazoids is probably one of his biggest movies. And that kind of opened the door for him in the full moon uh, world. And and real quick, by the way, on um, the Blu-ray for this movie, there's like a two-hour documentary talking to him. I did not have a chance to watch it. But I watched like the first five minutes of it, and he was talking about Creepazoids and how they filmed it in, uh, in an old studio in downtown L.A. on Washington Street. And I was like, oh, my God. I used to work on Washington and Hill and I was like and I was like I know exactly where that is. That's that's cool. That's awesome. And Creepazoids, I've been going on like kind of like a 80s sci-fi sex romp 
space movies, you know, with, with, you know, Forbidden World and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, and been watching them all on Tubi. And uh, Creepazoids is, was actually the one, I was actually going to watch it last week and I didn't even know that it was a David Dakota film. So I actually wish I watched it before I watched this. Uh, but now it, it definitely got moved up higher uh, uh, on my, my list to watch. Yeah, I, I remember seeing that when I was a kid. Um, I would be totally down to watch that again as well. I, I just want to point out that David Dakota, as fairly recently, uh, I'm just going to list off a, a few of his recent titles. Uh, I just want to, yeah. I, I just want to point these out because they're really diverse. I just want to say, "The Wrong High School Sweetheart," "The Wrong Blind," "The Wrong Blind Date." The wrong cheer captain. <laughs> I saw the that. The wrong Valentine. <laughs> the wrong Prince Charming. The wrong Mr. Right. The wrong fiance. The wrong real estate agent. Guys, they're lifetime movies. And I'm I'm being very tongue in cheek right now. I mean, you're, you're not being tongue in cheek with the names. I mean, they're all the, that is correct. Like he didn't make up what, any of those names. And I think they're all with Vivica Fox, so so yeah, it's all a series. It's all a series, I, but yeah, it's all lifetime work now. I mean, God bless him for staying, getting work, and and, and working and doing his thing. God bless him. I, I know, and I'm with you, man. I'm like scrolling through IMDb trying to find like when his last genre picture uh, was. Psycho Sideshow looks like it's possibly 2018. So yeah, he's been uh, a Kiss song. Psycho Sideshow. <laughs> it does. No, it's Psycho Circus. It does. Yeah, I know. I know. We got this new album coming out called Psycho Circus. It's going to be so good. Okay, Paul Stanley. What's wrong with you? Come on. Well, it's well, you're going to get a Psycho Circus, and, and then you're going to buy a circus. See, you're going to buy a circus with circus animals. Okay, thank you, Gene. That's enough of that. Well, it also just it does kind of illustrate how like people like uh, a Charles Band with like Full Moon and whatnot would keep people like you know David Dakota employed for great lengths of time during the height of of this like era and everything and yeah. you know not that David Dakota is like slumming it in lifetime I, I think at the end of the day work is work you know but it's it's just interesting to see how without that you know uh, uh without that tent he has to go find work somewhere else you know oh I, I think it but I think it's great if he if he's nailed down the uh the wrong series <laughs> as the as the like in-house director go for go it for good it. for him get that work baby get that paycheck baby do you remember when vivica a fox was like an a-list uh star yeah i had the biggest fucking crush on her back in the day man i freaking loved her back in independence day and whatnot but yeah she uh, i don't know what it's after kill Catch bill her. it seemed like it all went down that's why yeah i think i think it was after kill bill there wasn't much uh work for her. and i think she got work done so it's just like oh man guys and gals just age gracefully please i know seeing like natural wrinkles and natural gray hair and you know but that's our that i mean that's what we're into so. oh i saw um i guess what what naomi judd passed away so um ashley judd was talking and she was crying but her face wasn't moving because it was all plastic and i'm just like that's that's a shame right there yeah and hey i mean you know do what you want with your own body you know but at some point be human right just be human I guess maybe they're just like the world's ending, so I don't need to. Or you know what? Or maybe I should cut all this because we don't. The world doesn't need two more middle-aged white guys telling women what to do with their bodies. So you <laughs> that's know. true. Good point. So hey, you you speaking of telling women what to do with their bodies? You want to jump into sorority babes? Yeah, let's jump into sorority babes before we jump into controversy. Exactly. 
Small things can cause big trouble. I know where the Tri-Delta sororities having their initiation tonight. Yeah, Felta Delta? And we just might be able to watch. They say you've got to start at the bottom to get to the top. And they're right. Oh! They say you shouldn't stick your nose where it doesn't belong. <laughs> and they're right. Busted. They say where there's smoke, there's fire. And they're right. Babs, how about a cocktail? They say curiosity killed the cat. And they're right. They say good things come in small packages. No way out, except my dying. But this time, they're wrong. You've got to give the devil his due. Sorority babes. Oh, can we just point out that the credits to this movie really suck? <laughs> They're not the worst. They're not the worst. They're not. And I also want to point out really quick too, really killer, cool songs throughout this movie. Yeah. That. So yeah, that was um my my note here. The movie opens with neon pink credits that fade to blue on a ba- on a black back background. There's a fun poppy synth song playing over them. So yeah, the the credits were okay. Like I like the black and neon pink, you know, coloring. It's but, not bad. But the font the the font type. Can we go into the font type real quick? <laughs> is it common set? Is, is it Comic Sans? It looks like Comic. It almost Sans. looks like Comic Sans. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty bad. Uh, but it does have a good song, and I will agree with you. The music in this movie is is pretty fucking awesome. As is. The, the wardrobe. <laughs> the wardrobe is great. It's so 80s. I, I just talked about another movie recently where I was like, the wardrobe was so bland. This is not. No. This is not bland. Um, the, yeah, the music reminded me of a, a club. Uh, I felt at one point I'm like, am I a, at a club in San Francisco right now? Yeah. Because this is like, ooze, ooze, ooze. <laughs> get the body moving. Yeah. I mean, I've, I'm paraphrasing the lyrics and I will for it a couple of the other songs too. But uh, I'm like, oh, this is my whole body is just gyrating and I don't know why. <laughs> but I think, you know, the music does add to the overall fun and enjoyment of this movie. Um, you know, it's, 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 I think a lot of its individual pieces don't work, but put together as a whole, it, it kind of coalesces into something that's pretty entertaining. And especially so you could just easily put this on in the background at like a party or something and, and have just the visuals play and everything. But, um, totally the, the music definitely, definitely helps elevate this movie. So after the credits, after the lengthy, uh, opening credits, as Zach Five mentioned at the beginning. The opening credits and the ending credits are pretty lengthy uh, to pad into that uh, runtime, I think. Um, we cut to a fraternity house where we find Calvin, Jimmy, and Keith hanging out in someone's bedroom. You don't really know which guys it is. Uh, probably Keith's. Keith is looking at a penthouse magazine in bed, which I actually fucking recognize that cover. Um, of course you do. <laughs> while Calvin sits in front of a TV watching a horror movie, and Jimmy is on the couch eating chips and drinking beers. Jimmy says to Keith, reading the, the penthouse, Keith's going to be going to the bathroom any minute now. 
Keith tells him to take a hike, but Jimmy replies with, Just watch out for the staples, man. Keith mocks him and says, Advice from the fat Don Juan. Hey, at least I've had more than a magazine, dude. Keith retorts, Yeah, I've seen her. A real canine cutie. At least I don't have to pick up my girls from the dog pound. <laughs> it's Jesus. Yeah, it's 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 wild right out of the gate. <laughs> Jimmy calls him a jerk off and opens another beer. Calvin is still watching a movie uh, intently. Keith asked, "Did you pick up on the movie or something?" What, I, I couldn't tell. I, I couldn't tell either. I was hoping uh, you would. And when I said he was watching a movie in my very first sentence, and you didn't chime in, I knew you didn't know what it was. Then <laughs> I bet you our our uh, our pad friend and Patreon Aaron Don Gilmer knows because she's a big fan of this film. So Aaron, let us know. Yes, please do. What what movie is Calvin watching on TV? Keith asks Jimmy for one of those one of his beers, but Jimmy tells him no. Keith persists, and Jimmy asks what's in it for him. Keith says he knows where the Tri-Delta Sorority is having their annual initiation tonight. Jimmy gets excited and says, yeah, felt the Delta? Keith adds they just might be able to watch, which is worth a brewski or two. Jimmy hands him one and says, it better be true. Keith says it starts at midnight, and he knows the perfect window to watch. Jimmy asks what's going to happen at the initiation, but all Keith knows is Babs, in ch- is Babs is in charge and she's going to have them bending over. Jimmy says he'd like to bend her over. <laughs> That's a good line. I, like, I, I approve of that line. <laughs> it's simple, but it works. It's effective. Uh, he gets excited and says, let's go. But Keith tells him to settle down. It's not midnight yet. And to your point, Zach, this does start out like a, a rom-com um, or you know, I keep saying rom com, sex eighty sex comedy, yeah, sex romp comedy type of thing. Um, now I, by the way, I have it in my uh my watch my wish list to actually buy the Blu Ray. Um, but how does this compare to like Fraternity Vacation as far as like a a zany thing, sexy thing goes? You know, it's the same deal. It's the same like setup. You know, let's go look at chicks and let's go get laid, and it's the same like. These movies are made for dudes, teenage dudes, right? And um, it's it's that same formula, which I actually thoroughly enjoy. You know, it's it's like that '80s chauvinistic style that you won't see now. So, so you watch these and you go, "Oh, yeah, that's what it was like uh, back in the day." <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I do want to point out, like these guys look like college kids, and that's what I like about it. I, I like the fact that. Yeah, they don't look like 30-year-olds playing, you know, 20 or 19-year-olds. They look like 22, 23-year-olds playing like, you know, 21-year-olds, which I'm fine with that. I think they both look the age. They, all three of them look the age and they act the age. Yeah, it, unlike um, a couple of co-stars in a minute who definitely do not look like college girls. Oh, no, they look like they're 35 years old. Especially with their hairstyles. Yeah. Like, don't don't tell me what to do with my hair. This is my hair, and I'm not going to style it for this movie. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay, sure. Can we t- t- I'll get naked, but t- I'm not going to style my hair differently. I'm not going to make it look like a college kid in the 80s. Okay. But I'll get naked. Okay. Okay. But you also look like a 35-year-old college kid from the 80s, but okay. Yeah, good. well, that, that, that's not my fault. That's not my fault. Okay. Oh, but I'll get naked. Okay, because I don't care about that. But don't touch my hair. Okay. 
Cut to the Tri-Delta sorority, <laughs> and Babs, Rhonda, and Frankie are in the bathroom getting ready for the night. They have their hair done up and makeup on, but are also wearing black hooded robes. Frankie asks Babs why she has to wear the hood. It's messing up her hair. Babs says, your hair is already a mess. It's part of the ritual. You know that. Frankie, and by the way, guys, every time I read the women's lines, I kind of throw my shoulders into it. I don't know why. I just, I'm doing he does, it. He's so into that. <laughs> he's putting lipstick on right now. No, it's, Zach's literally just watching me like, what the fuck is he doing? <laughs> uh, come on, guys. Come on, boys. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, Zach. <laughs> oh, I know, baby. I know, baby. And I'm throwing, I'm throwing confetti over here. <laughs> I know you are. Frankie says that... Frankie says that Babs makes it sound like they're devil worshippers or something. Babs looks at her looks at her and says, "Maybe we are." I'm gonna have a hard time with Babs, by the way, like yeah, the way it flows. Um, it's okay. Yeah, <laughs> although not as bad as uh, in Hard to Get to Hawaii with the word Seth. I was terrible at that. Um, <laughs> Rhonda starts complaining too that the robes itch something awful. I can only imagine what it's doing to my skin. I don't see why we have to wear these things for some stupid initiation ceremony. Bab says that the women of the Tri-Delta have worn these robes for years. Besides, it'll put fear into the hearts of our initiates. Rhonda says to Babs, I think you just like paddling girls' fannies. Frankie chimes in with, We'll call her Babs the Dominatrix. Babs says it's just a tradition, and Rhonda replies with, you like it too much for it to be just a tradition. And Frankie asks, what gives with you, Babs? She says, honey, it's better to give than receive, and they all giggle. Babs asks if they're ready, and all the girls lick their thumbs and press them to their asses and make a sizzling sound. Then they all put up their hoods and go downstairs. It's a good setup. It's a good setup. They're supposed to be the antagonists and like you know we we're supposed to hate these girls or whatever and they do a good job of doing that the acting is decent too in my opinion yeah and again uh of the three i'll put them in order of these three um i think i like uh babs frankie then ronda c <laughs> c <laughs> c back at the fraternity keith asks calvin if he wants in on their plan to peep at the tri-delta initiation Calvin is too wrapped up in watching his horror movie to reply, so Keith throws a pillow at him. That would have been me, by the way. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. And that I would have been Keith, by the way. I, no, no, I would have been Jimmy. I was the the husky boy. The husky boy. <laughs> I just wanted to watch horror films and play with my toys when everyone left. <laughs> yep, even in college. <laughs> yep. Uh, Calvin asks what the heck they're doing. Keith asks if he wants to go, but Calvin says go where, so obviously he wasn't paying attention. Jimmy and Keith roll their eyes and scoff. Keith says slowly, to the Felta Delta initiation? Calvin says, no thanks, he's watching a movie. Jimmy says, I can't believe this. This guy's finally turned himself into a vegetable. We gotta save him. Jimmy gets off the couch and Keith gets out of the bed and they both sit next to Calvin on the floor. Keith picks up Calvin's arm and says he's checking for a pulse. Jimmy says he can watch this crap anytime. What's the matter? Don't you want to see some cute babe's butt in the air while Babs wax on it? Calvin mockingly replies with, oh, sounds really enticing. It really does. People pay for that shit. They sure as hell do. Both ways. They pay for getting spanked. They get paid for watching. And they pay for getting doing the spanking. Spanking. It's a way of life. That's right. Keith. Spanking. It's a way of life. <laughs> 
Keith goes back over to his bed and says, Last year there was this girl with really great boobs. Again, first draft. Probably could have used another one. (laughs) And and Babs makes her wear a bra full of worms and then do push-ups. Deep push-ups. Jimmy laughs and Calvin says, That's disgusting. Because Calvin's correct. That is disgusting. Yeah, that's gross. Right? Jimmy yells at Calvin, you're sitting there watching zombies eating people. That's disgusting, man. Calvin corrects him and says it's a succubus and it's a movie. Jimmy says, so this is real life. It'll be great. Calvin says to both of them that sadomasochism just doesn't appeal to him. Jimmy grabs him and says, it's naked girls. (laughs) Yeah, I love Jimmy. Calvin chuckles and says, that would appeal to me. Yeah. Keith is glad to hear it and tells Jimmy to give Calvin a beer. Calvin tries to open the tab with his hands, but struggles with it and then uses his mouth to pop the can. He drinks the beer in disgust and Jimmy kicks him and says it'll put hair on his chest. I have never seen a person open a can of beer the way Calvin does in this movie. Yeah, and I don't, I'm not a fan of like, oh, look, look what I can do with my teeth, you know, because people do that shit. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh. Watch, watch how I can pop this... I can pop this uh, top off this bottle here on the side of the truck and like, oh, you're so cool, man. No, you're not. Do you have sensitive teeth? Yeah. Yeah. Me too. I, and I, gums too. Yeah, me too. I I use I've been using Sensodyne for like fifteen years. Guys and gals, welcome oh, to the that. welcome to the middle aged white man show. Uh, talking about sensitive <laughs> teeth, but yeah, dude. Uh, because I've My always sciatica. because I've always had sensitive teeth. I'm with you. I hate teeth st- i hate people when they do teeth stuff like bite into ice cream or open a bottle with their teeth or something you know i, yeah, it, I don't bite uh, into corn i cut the corn off with a knife well, I'm, I'm that kind of guy okay well now you're talking crazy because i eat corn off the cob <laughs> oh hell no dude i don't get that shit stuck in my teeth i i slice it off with a serrated knife and people are like what are you doing i go saving my teeth from having food in them later on that rem- that kind of reminds me of Seinfeld when George is eating the Snickers with a, a knife and a fork. And they're like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm eating my dessert. Like, how do you do it? Like an animal, you know? <laughs> yeah. Come on now. I mean, I eat pizza the way you're supposed to. It's not like I'm I'm doing that with a knife and fork unless it's floppy pizza, <laughs> yeah. you know. Uh, but come on now. Like, these are things, you know, and, 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 and that's what bottle openers for. I always had a cool bottle opener with me. People were like, I'll just use my teeth. And like, I remember I dated this girl once. She's like, I'll use my teeth. I'm like, I got something else you can do. Then <laughs> she punched me in the penis. No, that did not happen. None of that happened. None of that happened. But she did use her teeth on the bottle. And I was like, I don't know if I like this. Like, Come on. <laughs> Don't be a pussy to me. And I'm like, don't be a, you said that to me? Don't be a pussy? What the fuck? That, that, that now also reminds me of a, the man hand scenario on Seinfeld, too. Dude. And she used to like, yeah. Was she, she twisting, was the, was she twisting the, twi- the top off? And were you like, that's not a twist off? Yeah. And she wanted me to come over to her house to, and then she just gets stoned all the time. And like. Wow. That's cool. I'm fine with just that. Watch me. No, she just wanted wanted me to watch her get stoned. No, she wanted you to get stoned with her and then bang her, but you didn't get stoned. You just watched her get stoned. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. Outside the Tri-Delta house, we see Keith, <laughs> Jimmy, and a very drunk Calvin run up to it and go around to the side. 
Keith and Jimmy help Calvin get there. Inside the living room, we see a couch and a table with candles on it. The two initiates, Lisa and Taffy, are sitting on the couch waiting for Babs, Rhonda, and Frankie to come downstairs. Do was this a set? Did this look like a set to you? The the, the living yeah, room it, of this place? The living room did, yeah. Uh, yeah, me too. Taffy asks Lisa why they're putting up with all this. Lisa says, you want to get somewhere in this college, don't you? This is the sorority to join. Taffy replies with, so what? Who says humiliation is the only way to join a sorority? Lisa True. says it builds character and creates a bond of sisterhood. Taffy says she thinks it's into institutionalized sadism, and they both giggle. Now, yeah, I, so this is kind of like, and I know it's like a parody, and I know they're like, but I think stuff like this does happen. And this is why I never joined a fraternity when I was in totally college because I didn't want to put up with all this bullshit. I don't believe in it. But I guess what she's saying, like, yeah, okay, does it build character and creates a bond of sisterhood? I, I don't know how true that is. But what are your thoughts on the whole, like, hazing fraternity sorority thing, dude? Oh, we know it's bad. We know people died from it and all that shit. You know, there's a one of my favorite 21 Jump Street episodes was uh, – this this hazing activity that went on with Doug Penhall and um, Johnny Depp's character, where they 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 had to drink every time they did something, you know. And uh, I hate all that shit. I hate like peer pressure. I mean, as a parent, I'm 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 seeing into the future with my son and trying to make sure that he's not you know susceptible to peer pressure, and also doesn't peer pressure other people too. Yeah. You know, it's like yeah. uh, so I hate that stuff. It's like. I think about, you know, the, the bullying that went on in middle school, high school, and, and that just continued into college. And that's probably what dissuaded me from going to a, to a mainstream four-year college for such a long period of time. I just, yeah, it drives me nuts. So I see them and they're like, oh my God, we just want to get in the sorority. It's so important. And, and in their minds, I'm, I'm just going character-wise, yeah, in yeah. their minds, it is important. They do want to be, and I, and I, I want to like shake him and be like, there's more to life than being a fucking sorority. Who, who gives a shit? And I do understand that sororities and fraternities off also offer this like built in network. So when you leave, you you know, you go apply to a job and oh, the, someone from the tri Delta sorority is there. You're going to have a leg up. Like I get that that's the point, but I don't think I don't know how much that happens anymore. I, I'm sure it happened a lot yeah. back then, but I don't know anymore, though. And also, too, like if, if that's the point and that's the stuff they put you through and they're like, OK, well, I'll give you a job because you ate dog shit back in college, you know, and you yeah. took it like a man, you know, fuck that. Fuck that shit. And those people are now CEOs of companies. And that's a whole other podcast. Yeah, 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 it is. That could be a whole other rant podcast. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm not a fan. Like the comeuppance that they get at the end, it's much deserved, I think, ultimately, yeah. uh, except for, you know, our perv boys. But yeah. But maybe not. Maybe they did. You know, they did. They did go want to go look at naked chicks and and ogle at women. So yeah, yeah. This is true. This is it's true. not very Christian like. No, definitely not very Christian like. <laughs> <laughs> Just then, Babs, Rhonda, Frankie, and more hooded women uh, uh, enter the room. But we don't. It's weird because the other hooded women kind of like walk off to the side, and then you never see them ever again. Yeah, they didn't have enough money for them apparently. Um, it was a you know, walk. Again, it was a walk-on uh, cameo role, and that was it. When Kevin joined us to talk about his uh, Dookie Doc, you know, he had mentioned how shoestring of a budget this was, or how you know, like 
very small sorority. Yeah. Very uh, <laughs> uniquely small sorority. So I'm going with that. I'm like, it's just a small sorority. Yeah. You know, or maybe some people were not feeling good. <laughs> <laughs> so they just walked away. They walked downstairs and then walked out the front door because they were like, you know what? We're not going to be a part of this. Yeah. It's Christmas and there's a party up the street uh, <laughs> at, at uh, the Black Christmas house. There you go. There you go. Uh, Bab says that the initiates were not given permission to speak. The infraction will require punishment. Babs points to the couch in front of her and Lisa and Taffy, who are just wearing panties and tiny half shirts. Walk over to her. Bab says, assume the position. And Lisa and Taffy bend over the back of the couch with their butts facing Babs. My only pushback is, is that I don't like the non-symmetry of uh, uh, Brink having her arms straight, but then Le- you know Taffy having her arms straight, and then Lisa like bending over and laying on her on her elbows. Do you know what I mean? I was like I the weirdly inside of me the the artist inside of me didn't like the composition of that shot and I was like I just wish Lisa would have also been on her hands versus, you know, on her elbows. Uh, many moments in this movie just feel rushed or like, you know, they did one, one take, take and like that that's good. That's good. Good enough. You know what? That's good enough. Moving on. Strike go. It, <laughs> yeah. Yep. Brink and Brink and Michelle were like, "Look, this was good, okay? Just we're not doing it again." You're not paying us enough to do more than one take. Yeah. And and you're also going to spank us, too. So, you know, like, th- th- this is as good as it gets. So, yes. <laughs> Outside. we This spanking goes on literally for, like, minutes, by the way. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Outside, we see Keith, Jimmy, and Calvin stumble their way to a side window. Calvin is so drunk that he falls into the window, and Jimmy pulls him back and chastises him. Keith says, can't believe it. He's drunk on one beer. So that's going to be the running gag that, that Calvin's pretty much drunk the entire night, and it's one beer did it to him. Well, been there, done that. <laughs> not really, sort of. Calvin says loudly that he's not drunk, and the other two shush him. They start getting excited about what they are going to see in the living room. Back inside, Lisa and Taffy are bent over the couch, and Babs asks if they are prepared to enter the Tri-Delta sorority. The girls reply yes, and Babs says, then let us begin. Rhonda hands Babs a huge paddle and starts spanking Lisa with it. She says she yells, ow. And we see the boys giggling as they're watching through the window. And it looks like the paddle's actually hitting both of the girls. After giving Lisa about 10 spanks with the paddle, Babs moves over to Taffy and starts working on her. Outside, Calvin says, wow, what channel is this? Jimmy smacks him in the back of the head and says, it's not TV, jerk. Just then, Keith gets the bright idea of getting a better view from inside the house. They'll just break in through the back door. Calvin says to wait for a commercial, but Jimmy grabs him and yells, It's not TV! And he drags Calvin around back. <laughs> around around back for some light B&E, you know? But breaking and entering. <laughs> I'm like, B&E blowing and... <laughs> no. This is Corey talking. Okay. <laughs> The boys enter through an unlocked back door by the kitchen, and as they enter, Calvin stumbles into the door, making a huge noise, which the girls should have heard, but the girls didn't hear the sound over the spanking, I guess. And there's constant spanking going on. Yeah, uh, guys, this spanking goes on for a good couple of minutes. Those poor girls. We see Keith, Jimmy, and Calvin looking through a window in the kitchen to the living room. So it's like one of those doors that's inside the house, but also has a window. 
they have a better view of Lisa and Taffy's rear ends. I enjoyed writing that line. Ba- <laughs> I'm sure you did. <laughs> Babs is still spanking the two initiates with the paddle. Once Babs is done, the two girls stand up and turn around and to face Frankie and Rhonda. Frankie says it's time for whipped cream delight. Rhonda says that will cool them off. Then Frankie and Rhonda pull whipped cream cans out of their robes and spray Lisa and Taffy down with them. The girls giggle and Rhonda says, Okay, up to the showers so you can clean up and then we'll have the last part of the initiation. Lisa and Taffy make their way upstairs while Babs tells Rhonda that she'll be deciding the last part of the initiation. Understand? Because Rhonda kind of overstepped her bounds. I mean, like, she does, but, but like, that's a second-in-command. Babs is, you later find out that Babs kind of is a control freak. And she's a control freak. Yeah, she is. She is a control freak. That's all that matters. We see the boys in the window laughing as their heads sort of drop down below the glass. Frankie asks Babs what was with all the scare tactics. She sounded pretty evil back there. Rhonda chimes in. Didn't she get all her jollies with the paddle? She gave the the girls more wax than they ever got. Babs says, honey, I haven't begun. The girls laugh and Frankie says, you really should consider prison work, babe. Brutal Babs, the wicked warden. Babs rolls her eyes and they all laugh. Well, that's a, uh, not a foreshadow, but a little bit of a like, well, a little bit of foreshadow into the, the later in the movie. When she becomes sort of, um, was it Il- Ilsa, the she-wolf or whatever of the SS? You know, she kind of has that vibe to her. Yeah, and I also want to point out too, like the apparently the paddle uh, and like the, the says one thing and then the, 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 the sorority's name on the outside of the house says another thing. Yeah. And like, and like, guys, you do realize the continuity, it's, they shot this movie in like 10 days or something. So yeah, I mean, expect, I mean, you got to give David Dakota props for, I mean, they made a movie. This is a movie. It's got three act structure. Uh, there's some parts where I'm like, Oh, is that a plot hole? I'm like, Oh no, they actually correct that. So, or answer that. So like sometimes, sometimes the script is actually super tight. Um, it's, it's a lot of times it's these little weird things that slide through that, you know, that they probably would have noticed if they had more time to work on it, like the paddle that you were saying. And I, I read the same thing, uh, cause they're Delta, Delta, Delta. And, and the paddle says like Delta Pi Delta or something like that, you know? Yeah, and, and apparently, like, he fired the whole crew. After the first day, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And this was the first of, like, his 10-picture ten picture deal with Charles Band. Yeah. 10 pictures. And a lot of so, those were like, Puppet Master movies, I think. Yeah, yeah, which I love. Yeah, me too. But still, like, but, you know, so there's probably a lot of pressure on one hand, but then, then maybe that's why he was drinking all the time. Yeah, no, and so so what Zach's alluding to is that uh, apparently, I mean, this is uh, just a an IMDb factoid, but apparently the everyone, all the actors and even David Dakota were kind of just drinking on set and whatnot. And uh, I think in some performances, it probably shows, you know, so. But again, I have to give them props. They made a fucking movie in 10 days on a shoestring budget. Yeah, yeah totally. A movie that's lasted this long. You know, let's not forget the fact that this is a cult movie. People do love this film and and adore it. Aren't we know our our pal Robert Ortiz loves this movie. So it, it, it's it's you know we're gonna call out what we're gonna call out. We're gonna love what we're gonna love, and we're gonna shit on what we're gonna shit on. But at the end of the day, David Dakota made him. They all everyone here made a movie that has lasted the test of time. Oh yeah, and and up until this point, I've got like zero problems with any of this. Mm-hmm. 
Agreed. Co-host Corey here with Zach, and we're talking to Kevin Von Esper about his upcoming Dookie Flyswatter and the Haunted Garage documentary. Kevin, can you tell the uninitiated who Dookie Flyswatter is? Oh boy, Dookie Flyswatter is this Hollywood weirdo that came on the scene around 1985 and who had this horror punk band called the Haunted Garage. They're like this sideshow freak show horror show on stage they're basically a b-horror movie on stage which makes sense because dookie flyswatter is also known for being in all your favorite uh bad 80s horror comedy movies like surf nazis must die hollywood chainsaw hookers nightmare sisters and the movie you're listening to about right now sorority babes and the slimeball ballorama they're really the kings of la underground and everybody respects them there and now the whole world needs to know about Dookie Flyswatter. And now back to our review of Sorority Babes and the Slimeball Bolorama. Upstairs, we see Taffy and Lisa getting clean. Uh, this begin- is this when the plane, the song is playing that that da 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 sex? Yes, yes. Drugs and boys and all the joy. Yeah. Sex. Yeah, and it's it's a lot of 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 cleaning and a lot of full frontal nudity, and I ain't complaining one fucking bit. But they don't wash their hair. I got. I'm telling you, man. I'm I'm sure this is not the case, but like in my mind, I'm like like these Bettys who look so much older with their hair that way. And I'm like, I bet you any, in my mind, I'm like, I bet you they were, they're like, I'm not touching my hair. No, no. They're just like, no, my hair's made up. I'm not, we're, we're not doing makeup hair and makeup again. We've already done that. So yeah, I'm just spraying down my body and that's all I'm doing. And I'm just like, Oh, it doesn't, this is not sexy, Jack. No, no, it's not. <laughs> speaking it's of not. speaking of hair, Lisa is combing her hair, and Taffy is taking a shower in a tub. And by the way, so yeah, it's one of those things where it's not a shower; it's a tub. But they have one of those attachments, so she's standing yeah. in the tub with no curtain and just showering herself off naked, full frontal, folks, full frontal the whole time. <laughs> no, no, no Brazilian wax going on there too. No, no, this is '80s, large and in charge bush. And you know what? I don't hate it, baby. I don't hate it. God bless you. <laughs> she asks, "What do you think Babs has in store for us?" Lisa says she doesn't know and she doesn't like the sound of Babs's voice. Taffy says, "I don't mind the whipped cream, but I'm not going to give her another chance to whack me around." Lisa says they have to do it Babs once, or they won't get into the sorority. Taffy replies, I'm not putting up with any more torture from Babs. No sorority is worth that. And I agree with her. Yeah, I I do too. We see the bathroom door slowly open, and then we see Jimmy, Calvin, and Keith peeking in from the hallway while Taffy keeps washing herself off. Calvin's head is doing this weird shaking thing. It looks like he's jerking off. Did you notice that? Yeah, I did. I, I, you, you... Probably could have been. <laughs> yeah. Guys, what what was that all about? Are you okay down there? Because then here's the thing. He's in the middle. So if he is jerking off, it's going to be all over Jimmy's back. Oh, oh. oh Jimmy. <laughs> Jimmy's got the jammy on him. He does. <laughs> Babs comes walking up the stairs holding the paddle and sees the boys at the bathroom door. 
She sneaks up on them and whacks them so hard with the paddle that the three boys fall into the bathroom. Lisa and Taffy scream and cover up. Babs stands over the boys and says, Busted. Busted by Babs. She's good, by the way. Like, she's so good. I, I think she's a really talented performer. And I'm going to say that throughout because mm-hmm. I'm really bummed that she's that she took her own life. Yeah. So, uh, you know, and, and she's sexy as hell. Like, when she's wearing her little outfit later, I'm like, Bro, bro, when her freaking areola kept popping out in that outfit later. Oh, my God. I was I was in heaven. I'm not going to lie to you, bro. I'm going to go down a Robin style, uh, uh, you know, rabbit hole after this because I'm with you, man. I, I had a bit of a crush on her when I was watching this movie. Yeah, check out American Ninja Four. It's 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 a decent action movie. Okay, okay. I'm, I'm... I never saw Winner Takes All. Uh, oh, Don Michael Paul's in Winner Take All, so I'm watching that. <laughs> there you go. There you go. And I'm not. I love me some Don Michael Paul. And I'm not gonna lie. I, I've seen a lot of the American Ninja movies, so I'm sure I've I might have even seen Number Four. I just don't remember her in it. But now I'm gonna look out for it because Robin Style is is awesome. She's absolutely fucking awesome. Yeah, dude, and and winner it's winners takes all is like right up my alley. Nice. So it's, it's a BMX movie set in the eighties. Oh, so uh, love it. Fucking love the eighties, man. With uh, with with Peter Deloise and Courtney Gaines, the redheaded guy from from uh, yeah from uh, the Burbs and um, uh, Children of the Corn, right? Camp, yeah, and Can't Buy Me yep, Love. Yeah, yep. and Colors. Mm-hmm. Colors. 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 I, I remember. The trailer for that was Sean Penn, right? The movie with Sean Penn, never the cop movie. Or Sean whatever? Penn, yeah, that movie directed by uh, directed by Dennis Hopper, Robert Duvall is in yep, that Robert movie. Duvall. I mean, yep. gr- t- tremendous cast. And 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 guys, as we're like breaking this movie down, as Corey's gloriously breaking this movie down, and and you're listening to this, and we're dropping all these other movie titles. If you ever hear a movie that you're like, oh, I wish they'd break this movie down, and you want us to break that movie down, you could subscribe to our Patreon, uh, like Aaron Don Gilmer has, uh, and, and Robert Ortiz. Ju- just Robert, did. Robert just did. And, huge and Crystal shout did out before. to you, brother. Thank you, Robert. Uh, Thank you. Yeah, Crystal was was one as well. Uh, Crystal was. A, we broke down a, quite a few movies from Crystal. Aaron, we just did hard ticket to hard ticket to Hawaii. If you sign up at the highest tier, you can uh, pick a movie that we will break down on pad uh, for your pleasure, for your audio pleasure. And you guys know it's it's pleasure. So, uh, but yeah, like whatever you want. I mean, with within reason, obviously, and everybody who's already signed up, Aaron and Crystal know that. But shit, like what something we bring up on the show and you're like, oh, well, you guys should break that down. Well. Uh, sign up to our highest tier on Patreon or sign up to our lowest tier. They're all they're all good stuff. It's all good stuff. Yeah. Just consider signing up to our Patreon. Patreon.com slash podcasting after dark. There you go. Thanks, buddy. End of cheap plug. <laughs> End of line. <laughs> Downstairs in the living room, Keith, Jimmy, and Calvin are sitting on the couch while Bab stands behind them holding the paddle. She says, what am I going to do with the three of you? Keith says, we've taken up enough of your time. We'll get going. That was funny. Uh, They stand up, but Babs yells, shut up and sit down. And they do. You know, I could kill you all. It would be very easy. We could claim self-defense. Three deranged rapists broke into our house. (laughs) Keith says, isn't that a little severe? Jimmy chimes in, yeah, we were only looking. (laughs) <laughs> to which Keith adds, and admiring, Calvin asks, can she really kill us? Bab says, don't push your luck. 
You're lucky the cops aren't here already, you perverts. <laughs> Babs goes on. I just decided on the third part of our initiation. Lisa and Taffy, you're going to break into the bowling alley at the mall tonight and bring me back some kind of souvenir as proof that you were there. Trophy should do. She points her paddle at the boys on the couch and says, and you three will join them. Jimmy says, what is this? You catch us breaking in here, so for punishment, you're going to make us break in somewhere else? Keith tells him to shut up. We'll be alone in a deserted bowling alley with two frightened, gorgeous girls who need male companionship. Jimmy says, hey, look, let the punishment fit the crime. And this was in the movie with the first time I was watching. I was like, oh, oh, Jimmy's good. I'm like, Jimmy's funny. I like his delivery. His, his timing is good. And here's the thing. As much as sort of the, the gore is either non-existent or kind of shitty in this movie, I'd say the humor is very well done in this movie. Going Agreed. back to the point of what you said earlier, that this might have just been better as a fully sex romp comedy. Yeah, yeah, totally. I'm, I'm again, no complaints. Yeah. It's, it's well, acted well enough. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, nothing at, at one point screams low budge to me. It's, it's like, it's a fun little flick so far. Taffy speaks up and says, wait a minute, no way. Lisa adds, alone with these sleazebags? Forget it. The boys smile at her. Taffy says, not a chance. Babs walks over to them and says, girls, it's a tradition. Either you do it or you're going to find another sorority. Lisa says they don't have much choice. Taffy says she isn't going anywhere with these sex maniacs. Lisa says she doesn't like it any more than she does, but they have to pass this initiation. Please, she begs. Taffy rolls her eyes and Lisa says they'll do it. Babs says, good. You break into the bowling alley, you bring back a trophy, and you'll be part of the sorority. For a probational period, at least. <laughs> you better get going. The boys spring up from the couch and try to escort the ladies out in a mock gentleman fashion, but Taffy and Lisa don't reciprocate the gesture. After they're gone, Bab says to Rhonda and Frankie, Perverts. Rhonda says, You've got more plans than you're letting on, Babs. I can see it all over your face. Bab says, Did you forget? Daddy owns the mall. We can so easily watch our victims on the security cams, and when they're not ready for it, we'll scare the shit out of them. The girls laugh, and Frankie says that Babs is absolutely evil. Babs goes on, If Lisa and Taffy don't come back with a trophy, which they won't if I can help it, I'll have to think of some other kind of painful punishment. And all three of them laugh. And it's kind of like one of those things where the camera's tight on Babs and Frankie and Rhonda kind of have to walk in and stand on their, their spot and kind of, you know, and be in yeah. the frame. And it's it's very much, it's very silly. It's silly. It's silly. It, it's awkward. Because I'm sure they were like, this is intense, but it's not. Yeah, it's not. It's just funny. Yep. It's funny. And then it cuts to uh, them on the road and, and, and like, the song that's playing, I'm like, is this Corey Hart? It's like so good. It's like, whoa, whoa hold on, baby. Yeah. I actually really like this song uh, as well. And it's so funny that you say that because I literally, my first thought was, is this Corey Hart? And I, dude, I'm not fucking kidding. That was my first thought. I don't know if it is. I don't know who, like what song that was or if it was, but I literally fucking thought the exact same thing you did. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, you know, I'm assuming it's like this guy Billy Trudell. Uh, it's what it's what it's you who said it. I didn't I didn't like go into. I'm sure if you go on YouTube, uh, you can look it up and 
and um, find these songs in their full glory. Um, by the way, I think Full Moon might have released a CD soundtrack of this movie back in the day. So I'd buy that, the shit out of that if I could find it. And now that I'm thinking, because this is David Dakota's like second movie and Charles Band loved Creepazoids so much, I have a feeling that was Creepazoids in the beginning that he's watching. Okay. That's that's my that's my feeling. Okay, that makes sense, and and I'll, I think you're probably right about that. At least as far as logic goes, you know. Yeah, but I'm just I, yeah. Th- this song, but this song is yeah. It's another good one. Yeah, no, the the whole soundtrack, this whole fucking soundtrack is pretty fucking awesome. Um, you know, it's it's no bump in the night or, or neon slime or anything, but it's up there. It's 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 got some good shit in it. Uh, <laughs> cut to Keith driving his car, and it looks like the valley. It looks like they're in the valley. I think. It does, yeah, and I'm sure they film this whole thing in L.A., so oh, yeah. That tr- yeah, that tracks. Yeah. Uh, Lisa's in the front seat, and Taffy is in the back between Calvin and Jimmy. Lisa asks how they are going to get into the bowling alley. Keith says, no problem, I'll pick the lock. Do you have a bobby pin? Jimmy scoffs at him from the back and says, that only works in the movies. Taffy asks about the burglar alarm. Keith says he thinks he can bypass it with a common coat hanger. Jimmy smacks the back of his head and says, you saw that in a movie too. As Keith and Jimmy start bickering over the best way to break in, Calvin says he's going to heave and puts his head out the window of the car and throws up. Taffy asks what's wrong with him, and Jimmy says he drank a beer as Calvin slumps over her lap. Taffy says, just look at him, to which Jimmy replies, pathetic, isn't he? And then I love this. Then Jimmy looks at Keith and they both say yes at the same time. I love Keith and Jimmy's rapport. It feels fucking real. It feels like real friends. And this is the, this was the scene that solidified it. So if I said the last scene made me fall in love with Jimmy, this one solidified it when he goes, when he says, just look at him pathetic, isn't he? And then he he looks at Keith in the front who looks back and they both say yes at the same time. Love that rapport. So is Calvin like not their friend? Like a lot of friend groups, a lot of like out, like, you know, there's a, always vying for alpha and there's always somebody who's fucking Zeta in, in the group or beta. You know what I mean? And he's just he's just the low man in, in the group. That's, you know, I, I think it's I know this kind of friend group. I you know what I mean? Like and I don't. Yeah, I don't yeah. know if they're always mean to Calvin, you know, but the fact that like he didn't want to go see naked chicks, I can see why they'd be giving him a hard time all night type of thing. But, you know, yeah. I'm with you. It's like, are they really friends with him, though? No. <laughs> You're like, no, because real friends wouldn't make fun of you like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, my brother would. Yeah. <laughs> my brother duct taped his one of his best friends once, duct taped him naked with his underwear on and threw him in the trunk of a car. And the guy kicked the trunk open and hobbled down the street. Your brother is <laughs> like, like in the 80s movies where I'm like, people don't really, weren't really like that. You know, friend groups weren't really yeah. like that, but yeah. he was like, he did, yep. so there's a truth in everything, you know? There is. I mean, my brother did shit with his friends that I'm just like, it was unreal. Unfucking real. When was the last time you saw Eric, by the way? <laughs> in person? Yeah. Oh, it's been like six or seven years, I guess. Holy shit. Really? <laughs> Oh, I didn't know that. That's wild. When's the last time you saw Sean? 
five years ago, maybe. All right. But I'm gonna be. I'm gonna see him this summer. This summer, I'm going to Michigan. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. Well, you may have to take some pictures while you're there, buddy. You know, you may have to do some uh, uh, location scouts up there. Well, you know, look for movie locations. Oh, like Evil Dead yeah. or something. Yeah. <laughs> or or it follows. Uh, oh well, shout out to uh, Eric and Sean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Eric. Eric and I. Yeah, I mean, I've seen him on. We've seen them each other on on the Facetimes or the videos or whatever. But yeah, it's been a long time. All right. Well. So we, we there will be have to do some reminiscing at some point. Yeah, he's got. That guy could tell you some stories. I mean, at this point, I'll tell the stories for him <laughs> yeah. until he comes on here. I was gonna say I would love for him to come on the show at some point, but at this point, I'm just I'm fearful of him ever listening to it. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. And then he get his buddy Ray. Ray's the one he duct taped and uh, threw in the trunk of a car. So <laughs> fucking Ray. Ray. Can you imagine this pasty white ass guy running down the street. And I love Ray. I love Ray. Yeah. He's like a brother to me yeah. too. And, and you know, like yeah. and, and people back in the day, you chalk it up. It was, it was just shenanigans. That is shenanigans, right? Right? But, I know, but, but I'm like, like, I would never do. You're like that shit was pretty fucking violent, man. Like that's not shenanigans. It's horrible. <laughs> it's, I'm sure, and I'm sure my brother looks back on it now, and he's like, "That was horrible. It's horrible all the things we did." So, <laughs> I just popped in my head randomly. He had a, he was going pee one time in a urinal, and his and his friend looked. His friend, I won't say his friend's name in case he gets upset. He looks and he's like, "Hey, Eric, yeah, is that your dick?" <laughs> and Eric's like, "Yeah." He goes, "You got a big dick." He goes, "Oh." Thanks. He's like, yeah, it's a big dick. Just looks back and <laughs> finishes peeing. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. What the fuck is going on? What is going on in that world, man? <laughs> Eric t- one time found a, there was a camera on the table, uh, a disposable camera. Took pictures of his dick. Like, yeah, took pictures of his dick and then the person got the camera developed and like, what the fuck is this? That that's a tried and true joke from back in the day. I I, I approve that one. I actually like those. I mean, where you take the disposable camera, like if you're gonna leave it on the on the table or something, and then just, I would never do that. <laughs> take a shot of your dick. That. I think it's funny. That's a good one. That's, guys, you know what? That's shenanigans right there. No one's getting hurt there. <laughs> is it? And I'm no prude, but I'm. I guess I. I guess he did all the stuff, and I was like, I would never do any of that. Th- any of that stuff. Yeah. I did other things. You, you just got things done to you by him. Yes. yes, and his friends. <laughs> yes, friend. Uh, at the mall parking lot, we see Babs, Rhonda, and Frankie walk up to the main doors. Uh, Babs unlocks the security gate uh, with her keys, and all three girls sneak into the dark mall and make their way to the security room. Um, oh, I think I think we see it at some point. There's a directory, and it says like Chino Vista or something like that. So. Yeah, Plaza Cam- Plaza Camino. They did film this in San Diego as well. Okay, okay, Plaza Cam- Camino. So, okay, Plaza Camino. They actually close up on the directory, which is hilarious. Yeah, they on do. The map. I wonder if that I'm was like, in, oh, that's. I wonder if that was in there to kind of give the the malls a little bit of a you know like a boost or something. See, we're in a mall. <laughs> Because because so many of the scenes in this in this moving forward are like people sitting down on the ground. Yeah. Not doing shit. Yeah. There's talking. Yeah. There, there's a lot of sitting in this movie. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, you guys stop sitting. Yeah. Get up and do something. But at least there's a cool arcade coming up. Soon yeah. Too. With with Tron. Uh, you saw Tron in there, right? I sure did. Yeah, you did. Yeah, you did, buddy. I was like, I'm scoping everything. I'm like, is that Polybius? By David Irons? <laughs> yeah. There you Speaking go. of David Irons, David Irons wrote a book that we produced. Yeah. 
Hello, guys. Seven Winters Alone. It's so good to check out. If you are never heard us talk about it, you should check out Seven Winters Alone. And It's a great book by David Iris. And also his other book, Polybius, uh, is about an arcade game in uh, Portland set in the 80s. Any book by David Irons. But if you get seven, start with Seven Winters <laughs> there you go. and work your way down. <laughs> yeah, they work your way back. <laughs> back David's the- like, what? what? Well, hold on. Hold on. <laughs> you guys, I don't talk like that, Zach. I don't. <laughs> I'm surprised he's still friends with us. <laughs> he loves us even more. I know, I know he does. I know. Back in the mall offices, we see a janitor, and this is uh, played by Buck Flower, and he's only he's only ever referred to as janitor. Um, I know, yeah. so good. Yeah, he's like so he's like standing in a doorway that's directly across from the security office. He doesn't hear the girls coming in, which at first I was like, how does he not hear them? And this is where the squ- the script gets actually weirdly tight because later you find out that he has an, has a hearing aid, so it's like, oh, that actually makes sense. Um, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, and which is like just a weird thing that the, the script just does correctly um so he doesn't hear them coming up so his back is kind of to them and as babs and the girls open the security room door they knock him back into his it's his closet it's not gonna be there's gonna be a different location later that's his office but this is kind of like his closet or machine room or something but they knock him into it and the core the door closes without him sort of seeing who or what did it um and then so in the janitor closet uh the janitor's rubbing the back of his head and wondering what just happened he thinks maybe a draft or something closed the door behind him he doesn't know he doesn't know it was the girls that did it uh he he tries to open the door but it seems to be stuck and so he's sort of trapped for the time being he's got some great lines coming up yeah it does yeah he does i track some of them yeah Outside the bowling alley entrance on the other side of the mall, which, by the way, the bowling alley was filmed not um, at the mall. It was filmed at a different location. And uh, maybe the bowling alley was in the valley and the mall was in uh, San Diego. But it's it's they're supposed to be attached, but you can totally tell they're not the same thing. Yeah. I mean, I give it a pass. Yeah. There's at one point they've got like a tarp put up. Did you see the tarp? Yeah. Put up? yeah. Like, Later on where yeah, there's a tarp. Um, let's let's call it out when that happens, because in, in what it is. But I paused it there trying to see what that tarp was covering. Um, and I, it almost looked like bumper cars or something weird. Um, but, yeah, there's a weird tarp in the background. We'll call it out when it pops up, though. Yeah. Outside the bowling alley entrance on the other side of the mall, Keith drives up and parks his car right by the door. Everyone gets out of the car, and Calvin immediately pukes in the grass. Everyone walks up to the door and looks at it. Jimmy says to Keith, So what now, oh, master thief? Keith asks Jimmy to help him look for wires to the alarm. Jimmy kind of scoffs. As Keith is looking around the doorframe, Calvin sort of pulls on the door, and it swings open. And Jimmy sort of laughs at Keith, and they all walk in. So it's a, you know it's that old funny thing where the drunk guy because you know calvin's acting all like drunk and he pulls on the door just opens easily so it's like the fact that the the drunk guy is the one that does it because he doesn't overthink it like keith does basically it's that joke yeah there's some again there's solid jokes in this movie yeah the gang walks through the dark bowling alley lisa asks if anyone brought a flashlight and keith says no jimmy grabs taffy from behind and scares her he laughs as she hits him calvin says this place gives him the willies Jimmy keeps messing with Taffy, but she smacks him and, and, and tells him he, she's not joking around. Inside the security room, we see Babs, Rhonda, and Frankie watching the group on security monitors. 
Bab says, this should be a breeze. They're spooking themselves. The girls all laugh. Back in the bowling alley, Keith says, oh, look, the trophy case has got to be somewhere around here. Taffy suggests they split up, and Keith asks, which one of, which one of you lucky ladies wants to go with me? Taffy grabs Lisa and says, we'll go this way, and you two go that way, gesturing to Jimmy and Keith. Keith says, poor girls just can't trust themselves with us. And then Jimmy makes a moe noise from Larry Moe and Curly. He does a type of thing. Yeah, that's what you do when you've got two ladies you who were repulsed by you. You, you do a, a Larry Moe and Curly bit, basically. Works every time. Every fucking time. <laughs> Zach's like panty dropper <laughs> you guys want to hear any more words of wisdom sign up to the patreon no i'm kidding <laughs> there you go back at the snack bar we see a female using a crowbar to break into the cash register calvin walks up to her and says hi come here often the woman uh spider played by linnea quigley spins around and raises her crowbar at him and says jesus christ in shock calvin apologizes for startling her to which she replies you stay there pally or I'll lay you right the fuck out. Apparently she also... Uh, your delivery was a lot better than hers because it was, you stay there, Pally, or I'm going to lay you the fuck out. The fuck out. So Linnea does not like to cuss on camera, but yet she has she no swears... problem getting, I guess, fully naked and whatnot. But I... yeah, so she doesn't like cussing though, apparently. But then she swears a bunch of times through this whole thing. Yeah, yeah. So I... I'm like, no, come on now. Like... I know. Sorry, that's what an actor does. Mm-hmm. What do you go go make Bible Man then? Go go do fucking Bible Man TV shows. Bible and Man with shit his, like that. His horrible fucking costume. Yeah. Yeah, like go like come on. And then she's holding the the crowbar like, thing like above her head, you know. Yeah, and then she's got like the 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 pointed side or the rounded side like upside down yeah. at one point. And I know that's a continuity thing. It's not this. But I'm just like, come on. I'm really giving you the benefit of the doubt here with your, your little S There's, that you put on your arm. For spider, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I really want to try hard to not dislike you, but it's really hard. Yeah, yeah. It's really hard, dude. Sorry. Yeah. I'll, again. <laughs> that was that was fans shooting. Me. I know. I know. I know. Is Aaron killing you? I know. Sorry, Aaron, you know, like, Aaron, you know, come on now. Aaron has great taste. She loves her Linnea, though. She loves I her know, Linnea. She does. And, and for good reason. Yes. <laughs> for good reason. If you want to know why, listen to our oh, yeah. Wrap Up After Dark on Patreon for that story. Yeah, Aaron was on last month's Wrap Up After Dark, and she we actually talk about Hard Ticket to Hawaii, and we actually talk about this. Uh, she gave us some, some insight into this movie because she uh, – she she loves it, but I, I was talking to her on Instagram, and you know she I mean realistically she feels the same way we do. Like it's it's a lot of yeah. badness to it, but you know a lot of love also for it. So, but it's it's I don't want to I don't want to speak for Aaron. You know I don't want to speak for her. So maybe Aaron Aaron leave a comment on on you know one of the the posts that make we make on Instagram. And uh, again I don't want to speak for you. So, um, and but I will say too Calvin's good really good in the scene. Yeah, he's a good actor. The guy's a good actor. Lo- love Calvin. Love Calvin. Calvin says, I'm not going to hurt you or anything, <laughs> and which I I do agree with Spider's response with, like, she kind of scoffs. She's like, damn right you're not, because he's not, you know. Uh, then she realizes he's not a security guard and lowers her weapon. 
But then Keith and Jimmy and the girls walk uh, walk in behind Calvin, and she raises the crowbar back up in self-defense. It's like she lowers it and then immediately raises it back up, you know? Yeah, that's funny. Lisa looks at Spider and says, what is it? Jimmy asks Calvin if she's a friend of, of his, then gives him a noogie. Calvin bashfully says, sort of, and Spider's, Spider replies with, Dream on, Toad. What is this? Midnight Wimp Bowling League? Taffy shoots back. What are you, the Bride of Dracula? Sp- Spider steps forward and says, Oh, jump back. Prom queens on the loose. Or is it high school hookers? Keith and Jimmy mouth. And I love, again, I love Keith and Jimmy. They both look at each other and they mouth, Wow. <laughs> I like that. I love that. Yeah. Uh, uh, Calvin then introduces Lisa and Taffy. Spider says, Taffy? Jesus. Taffy asks, what's the matter with her name? Oh, well, if you don't know, Taffy, you deserve the name. What's that mean? I don't know, man. I don't know what half the dialogue in this movie means, bro. Again, first draft. First draft. <laughs> because she's stretched out? Oh, there you go. Boom. Yeah, I think that's it. I actually didn't know, and I think you're right. I think that is fucking it. This is the sound in my head as I was trying to figure that out. It's the marble going back and forth. Yeah, I get it. And then finally went... But I think is it because right. she stretched out. <laughs> it's stretched out. Is that what it is? <laughs> but you know what? I think you're right, dude. I think you're right. And I didn't get. I didn't sort of get it until now. So yeah, good call, buddy. Thank you for putting that one together for me. Watch someone's being like, "No, that's sexist." Taffy is sweet. Oh, okay. Sure. <laughs> sure. Calvin goes on unfazed and tells Spider that Lisa and Taffy are being initiated into a sorority. Co-eds, it figures. And in order uh, to get into the sorority, they have to steal a trophy from the bowling alley. Naughty. That's illegal. And it's weird. So, like, Calvin is, like, delivering. You can tell he delivers all of this dialogue in, like, sort of one chunk. But then they break it up and add these little retorts that, that Linnea throws out. Yes. You notice that, right? It feels weird, right? It it does. Like, they're giving her something to say. Right. Whereas, yeah, exactly. Like, like maybe it wasn't even in the script, and they were like, oh, well, the camera's just on Calvin for so long. We got to give her some kind of, like, reply lines, you know? Yeah, I guess, yeah. Yeah, and, and you just triggered a memory in me, because earlier, when, when when Babs is having her little moment setting up what, the, what the, their plans are for the sorority girls... You know, the camera's on her the whole time, and she delivers this, like, monologue. And I'm like, that's that was actually pretty good. And then to cut back to this where, like, there are some scenes where Linnea's having to deliver multiple lines in one take, and you're just like, oof. Yeah. Yeah, oof. the the difference between, yeah, Babs and, and Linnea, yeah, or Spider, you can tell. You can tell the difference in, as far as mm-hmm. acting level goes. Taffy looks at Spider and says, yeah, so what are you doing here, mopping up? Yeah, and I'm almost done, so let's cut the shit and get out of here. Let's cut the shit and get out of here. Get out of here. Get- <laughs> I was trying to do like a Valley Girl type of thing. Get out, yeah. <laughs> Spider turns around and goes back to breaking into the, the cash register with her crowbar as the rest of the gang leaves. 
But Calvin stays behind. He says to her, you know, you really shouldn't be doing that. Spider looks at him and says, times are tough, pal, and pockets the money. Uh, he says, you, you can call me Calvin. Then he takes out a one. Uh, then he takes out a one dollar bill from his pocket and says, "If you need any money, I can lend you a dollar." Spider walks up to Calvin and says, "Hey, shithead, I'm robbing the place. Do you understand?" He says, "Yes, yeah, sorry. I just thought." And and kind of shrugs. Uh, Spider, she does seem to be warming up to him and says, "Hey, man, are those fucking glasses for real?" And he smiles at her. And that's how the scene ends. And I didn't understand the whole, hey, man, are those fucking glasses for real? Is that that her warming up to him? Like, what is that? Yeah. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be, right? Yeah. And the fact that he's supposed to still be drunk? Come on, after one beer? Yeah, and he's he's technically going to be drunk for the entire movie in theory, you know, technically. Come on, Yeah, I know. At a locked gate to a different part of the bowling alley, uh, looks like a storage area maybe, um, Keith is trying to pick a padlock while Jimmy, Taffy, and Lisa watch. Lisa starts saying that maybe stealing the trophy is a bad idea, but Keith says they aren't stealing it. They'll bring it back. Taffy says they'll probably blame it on that bitch and motions towards Spider, where she is. You know, she's not in the scene, but kind of motions where they came from. Uh, Jimmy tells Keith to hurry it up, but he says he's doing the best he can. Spider walks up with her crowbar and tells them to move aside. She raises it above her head, but Calvin grabs it and says, gently. She brings it down and sort of pries the lock open with it instead of banging it open. Spider calls them all assholes and walks away with Calvin in pursuit, while the rest of the rest of them go into the back room and grab uh, to grab one of the dozen trophies off a shelf. One of them is big and silver. Of course, Jimmy grabs that one and says, it's a big one. It's it's in like a weird mock Mexican accent. He's like, it's a big one like that. And they all walk back into the bowling alley. Haha, <laughs> racism. Yeah. <laughs> in the security room, Rhonda says, they've got the trophy. We better do something. Frankie says, what about that punk dyke? And Bab says, I can handle her. <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> right. I love that line in Good Morning Vietnam when Robin Williams is like, what is a dyke? Is it two women standing between a body of water going, hey, don't go through there. Hey, don't go through there. (laughs) Man, I haven't seen that movie since probably VHS in the, what, 80s? Oh, it's so good. So good. Cut to the arcade, part of the bowling alley, and Spider is prying open the front of a pinball machine with her crowbar. This is where you can see a Tron machine in the mix. Yep. Ah, oh, God, you can't miss that fucking uh, uh, control stick, man. When I see the arcade, I'm just like, oh, God, this is such brings back good memories per usual. And, and I Every know. time I see an arcade. And I know, right, when you saw this scene, you can smell it, right? You know exactly what it smells like in there. Oh, I do. It, popcorn and, and stuck bubblegum to the carpet and, and yep. beer and cigarettes. Oh, the, the smell of the 80s. Beer and cigarettes inside of a fucking arcade. I never smelled cigarettes. <laughs> Popcorn, yes. Cigarettes. <laughs> cigarettes? Come on. How dare you? Uh, Calvin sheepishly walks over to her and asks what her name is. She says, Spider. Calvin says, that's neat. What's your real name? She, <laughs> she reiterates, Spider. Come on. Come on. He says, come on. No no one's parents named their kid Spider. She says she doesn't have any parents. 
Calvin asks what happened to them, and Spider says, I ate them, and rolls her eyes. Uh, just then, by the way, whenever Linnea turns around, you can see the mic pack in her the back of her shirt because it looks like <laughs> yes. she has a giant like square. like a, It looks like she has a brick wrapped up in the, yep. the back of her shirt, and that is, uh, that's the mic. That's, you know, for the, the cordless mic. And uh, so I guess they didn't have a boom operator on it, but, yeah, you can see it. Uh, just because at first I was like, why did, did she have a giant like goiter on her back? Nope. That's the, mic. okay. <laughs> just then the rest of the gang walks around, walks in from around the corner, uh, with the trophy. And Keith says, come on, Calvin, let's go. Jimmy says, say goodnight to your girlfriend, Calvin. Spider walks over to him and uses her crowbar to pull him down and says, you people really annoy me. Why don't you just leave the little jerk alone? Now get out of here and leave me alone or I'll shuff this stir." Or I'll stuff this trophy so far up fat boy's ass you'll see it every time he opens his mouth. And she hits Jimmy in the stomach, causing him to drop the trophy. It rolls across the floor and hits a closed door, causing the bottom of the trophy to become dislodged. We see light and smoke coming out from the inside of it. Just then, the bottom pops off and everyone walks over and looks at it. An imp appears. And he seems to be standing in front of an arcade machine, but they're all looking down, and he's looking up. But Yeah, it's really, really confusing. Yeah, so uh, Spider says, holy shit. And so, real, sorry, so he's, you can tell that, so they make a little arcade machine for him to stand next to, and it almost makes you wonder that, I think in this scene originally, he was supposed to be next to an arcade machine, and he was supposed to be, I guess, big, right? Like, as the, because it's, it's, it would make him bigger. But there, so he comes out of the trophy, which is on the ground, and they're all standing above him. So the camera, from his point of view, is way low, looking up, and and the next scene, or the next part of this, like, it's all one camera shot. Now, thankfully, it's looking up Linnea Quigley's shirt, but it is all one sort of a static camera shot, which is all them looking up, or all them looking down, and he's looking up. But then the arcade machine, so it essentially looks like he basically, the, 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 the trophy turned into a tiny micro arcade machine. Yeah. It's, it's distracting from the scene because I'm like constantly, what, what, what is he standing in front of? It takes, it takes me away, takes me out of the scene at times. Yeah, me too. And, and he looks good. Like we said, the imp looks good. I just don't like that. They have him next to this weird made up arcade machine. Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, yeah. You're like, you're like, you're like, I got nothing to add, bro. <laughs> I got, yeah, I mean, like, there's, there's a million things I could say to fix it, but then I'm like, but they're not, and they didn't, yeah. so they won't, <laughs> and so, they can't. So it's all so, moot. <laughs> it's all moot. He's cool though. Like, it's a cool looking original look. It's original looking. Yeah. The imp, and the minute he starts talking, he's, it's, it's not what I expected, and it's like, it's, it's funny. It's, it's you know, Ghoulies-esque. Yeah, that's very Shades of Ghoulies here. Um, in, but real quick, before he starts talking, in the security room, we see Babs, Rhonda, and Frankie are watching in disbelief. Rhonda asks if Babs planned this, and she says, plan this? I don't even know what's going on. So back in the alley, the bowling alley, the M starts talking. He says it was really cramped in there. Uh, he looks up at the group and says, well, well, well. How are you, boys and girls? Your little faces are so full of surprise. I'm just as happy to be here as you are. Then he gets angry and yells at Jimmy. What are you staring at? This ain't no freak show. 
<laughs> the imp apologizes for being cranky. Uh, it's not it's it's not fun being locked up like that, especially in a bowling trophy. Lisa asks if he's a if he's for real, and the imp says, "Of course I'm real, as real as you are." Then he takes a look at Lisa and Taffy and says, "I bet all the boys are glad we have these pretty girls in the audience today, aren't you, boys?" No reply from the three guys. The imp yells, "Aren't you glad, boys?" <laughs> I love how quickly he gets angry. <laughs> Jimmy and Keith uh, and Calvin, they all nod. Uh, the imp looks at uh, Spider and says, such a sour face, to which she replies, stuff it, you little prick. He says, now is that any way to talk to your good old Uncle Impy? And just when I was about to grant a wish for each and every one of these boys and girls, Jimmy's eyes light up and asks, what kind of wish? Why, any wish you want. Then he asks, who's, who's the one that sprung him from the bowling trophy? And Jimmy raises his hand and says, me, I did that. Lisa chimes in and says, hey, I did. But, but she didn't. She had nothing to do with it. But she does say, like, right? She's like, hey, I did. And they kind of get this little back and forth of who goes first. But I'm like, yeah. Lisa wasn't even touching the trophy. Uh, Spider hit, you know, uh, Jimmy in the stomach and he dropped it. Well, and, and the idea is like, I'm going to give you a wish. And they immediately like, oh, wish. Yeah. Wait, how do we know? I don't know. It's a little too. It's just like moves too quickly. Well, at, at, at 80 minutes, you know, uh, a total runtime with, again, 10 minutes of, of credits front and back. You got to move, baby. <laughs> well, but then I'm like, oh, this is just like, this is just like. Uh, Wishmaster? The Wishmaster, but, but kind of better at times. Better than Wishmaster, believe it or not. Yeah, Wishmaster was never one that stuck with me. I, like I said, I've watched like probably a few of them, and the first one, obviously, I watched it, but it was never one that kind of stuck with me. And I'm also sad to say that Warlock with Julian Sands never really uh, resonated with me either. Both letdowns. I, I just remember Wishmaster was so heavily promoted by Fangoria. They're like... This movie's gonna give you all the sh- the the thrills and chills you'd want from a you know from a genie everything you can desire. And then you watch the movie, and you're like, that's what they did. So with their with that budget, and then with this, I'm like, this actually they did a lot with this budget. The M tells him to take turns. There's a wish for everyone. Spider says, "What a bunch of shit." The imp replies, and this is my favorite line in the movie. Uncle Limpy will ignore that remark, but he'll remember it. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, that's I, so funny. That was great. <laughs> Fucking great. So funny. Uh, the so the imp looks at Jimmy and says, okay, Porky, you first. What can Uncle Limpy do for you? Calvin tells Jimmy to wait a minute. Jimmy says, what for? What, can, what do I got to lose? Calvin says they don't know what they're dealing with. And I like that Calvin's the voice of reason. He goes, he goes, maybe the wishes can turn, can, can, can come true and then go bad on you. So it's like, he's like looking at it from a, a, a twilight zone scenario where it's like, yeah, totally. yeah. Yep. And, and he's right. It's hundred percent correct. Yeah. He, and I like how he's like, I hear that happens sometimes. <laughs> Jimmy laughs uh, right in his face and spider chimes in. Maybe you better listen to Calvin fats. Calvin, I like how Calvin says, "Thanks, Spider." <laughs> and I, and again, I, here's the thing. I, he's I moving, good. Here's the thing. Moving forward, I do love their relationship. I do not like Linnea Quigley's delivery of, of Spider's lines at all, but I do love the tr- the idea of the nerdy guy and the tough streetwise girl kind of like pairing up and sort of you know 
liking each other and everything. I don't know, man. I, I like this whole thing. And I like Linnea's Quigley's like energy. I just I just don't like her deliveries, truthfully. Any of them. A single one. Do you like her lipstick tattoo of the S on her arm? Oof, That's love it. Fucking love it. Come on. Do a spider <laughs> on your arm. Yeah. Do a, spider. do a fucking spider. Like a black widow spider. Or because when she said her name was Spider and then like she's like, Did your parents name you that? I was thinking of this movie called Spider Baby mm. that came out mm-hmm. in the six, late sixties, early seventies. Yeah, 70s Rob Zombie has a song with, about it. Yeah, with Sid Haig. Sid Haig was in it. Yeah. And uh and it's a it's a fun, you know, wacky horror film, kind of Texas Chainsaw Massacre esque, like weird family or whatever. Yeah. Like, do Spider do a play on that. Well, my real name's Spider Baby, but my but I shortened it. Or something. My first name's Spider. My last name's Baby. And then he could be like, that's a really weird name. She's like, haven't you seen the movie? Duh. And the whole time in my notes, I name, I spell it S-P-Y-D-E-R. And then I looked in IMDb and it's just spelled Spider like normal. And I'm just like, oh, well, I'm going to keep my spelling because I like my way better. <laughs> They should totally remake this, by the way, and it could be really fun. I, I, I don't disagree with you, my friend. Um, the imp says he's shocked to find so much distrust from someone so young, referring to Spider. Uh, he then says it doesn't matter to him. You either want the wish or you don't. Jimmy says he wants it. The imp asks what he wants, and Jimmy says gold, lots of it. The imp says, then gold it is, and a stack of gold bars appear on the floor behind him. Jimmy starts laughing and runs over to the gold and says, I'm rich. I can get my nails done. My hair. I love that. I can go out and buy a Porsche. He falls to his knees in pure joy beside the gold. And I love that he immediately says, I can get my hair done and my nails. That's funny. It is funny. He's Daffy Duck. He is. And again. When, when Daffy Duck gets the gold and with the genie. I love that episode. That, uh, he's like, I'm rich. I'm rich. And then he shrinks him down. Yeah. You know, his voice gets all high as he gets smaller. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But again, I'm going to reiterate, the humor in this movie is strong. It's very strong. You know what isn't, though? Come on. (laughs) We'll get to that later. (laughs) In the security room, Babs and her mean girls see all this transpire. Frankie and Rhonda are freaking out. They want wishes, too. Babs can't believe what she's seen. <laughs> I want to wish. I'm like, I want to wish. Can I wish? Yeah, can I want, please? <laughs> Back in the bowling alley, Jimmy is still uh, listing off all the cars he wants to buy as the gang turns turns back to the imp. The imp says to Keith, I bet I know what you want for us. Come here. Keith leans in and the imp says, I bet you want to poke that girl in the dress. And Keith says, yeah, that's for me. And then he said, you got it. And by the way, guys, that was one of the lines I had to like, I don't even know if that's what he says, but without subtitles, I sometimes when the imp was talking, had to turn the volume up as loud as it could go just so I could try to hear it. It's the way he's saying he's almost like, like Oogie Boogie from, from, uh, you know, Nightmare for Christmas is definitely kind of riding off of this style. Obviously, that came out later, so it's riding off of this. But this is giving me the way he's talking is giving me oogie boogie vibes. Yeah, that's a good um, whatever the fuck you call it. Yeah, that's good. Thank you, thank you. Uh, You're welcome. 
we hear a like a synth noise, like like this noise cue that we heard before with the the gold appearing, but we now we hear the noise again, like this synth noise cue. It's like you know, like or something like that. Uh, and everyone turns around and we see Lisa now is standing there in black lingerie. She is now extremely turned on by Keith and starts grinding on him. Keith says, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Lisa puts Keith's hand on her ass and keeps rubbing on him. Keith says, well, uh, yeah, we'll see you guys later. Taffy pleads for Lisa to not leave uh, with Keith, but she doesn't pay Taffy any mind. Calvin turns to Spider and says he has a bad feeling. Maybe they should... And the imp interrupts him by saying, no one's leaving yet. We then see a lightning... We then see the lightning shoot all over the locked doors in front of the mall. They're now sealed in. That's cool. Yeah. Co-host Zach talking to Kevin Von Esper. Can you tell us about your upcoming documentary and where people can find it? Hi, I'm Kevin Von Esper, and I'm making the life and slimes of Dookie Flyswatter and Haunted Garage. You can find more about it at dookiedoc.com. That's D-U-K-E-Y-D-O-C.com. It's about the weirdest L.A. punk rock horror, B-horror movie story that you've never heard of. Out now is the trailer, an indie gore-gore campaign. We are fundraising for this documentary film about true independent L.A. underground cinema and horror, punk rock, and all the stuff you love. Slime! Hell yeah. Thank you so much. And now, back to our review of Sorority Babes and the Slime Ball Bullrama. Wow! <laughs> back in the janitor's closet, the janitor is still trying to open the stuck door. He says, fuck, it's tighter than a nun's cunt. He pushes hard, but when it doesn't budge, the janitor tells himself to not panic. There's no one to hear him anyways. Of course, he then immediately starts panicking. And that's another great, like, you know, it's it's a, it's a kind of a stereotypical joke being like, all right, don't panic, don't panic. And then you immediately panic. But it's handled by an actor that can that can do it. And it fucking works perfectly. Yep. Agreed. Sometimes. Like stereotypical, or, or should I say, sometimes cliche things can still work if you have an actor who can pull it off. Yeah, and then go backing up a little bit with uh, the scene with that scene with Keith and Lisa. I'm like, you know, damn, she's, she's looking yeah. good. Still got that weird hair, but it's looking good. Still got that big '80s hair, but man, she's rocking that uh, that lingerie. Michelle Bauer is uh, very comfortable getting <laughs> yeah. showing seems seems to be very comfortable in that role. Yes. Yes, she does. <laughs> in the bowling alley locker room. Yeah, I don't know if that's a thing, but it's a thing in this movie. The, in the bowling alley locker room. Keith and Lisa are on the floor. He's fully clothed and she's in her lingerie on top of him. Keith is protesting because she's being very aggressive. Apparently he wimped out. Uh, the, they wanted him to be in like his naked, and then they're like, "Okay, we'll just wear underwear, like tidy whities And he showed up with boxers. Yeah. Yep. Like, yep. Dude, come on. She's the one doing her business. Yeah. 
Yeah, and and, and, you, and that'll be later on you'll see. But also, when he pretty much gets fully naked, you can see that he either went to a tanning bed or he, he stayed outside and he got burned because he, he was he's so pale. And he's like, oh, if I'm going to be naked, I better go get some sun. And he only got burned in, like, a straight line on the front of his body. And you can see it. And I do think that he was like, oh, God, if I'm going to be naked, I need to fucking get some, some you know, color in my skin. We need to do some push-ups before we do the scene. Hey. He had a rockin' bod. I'm not gonna lie. Keith had a fucking. He had a six. He has a six pack in this fucking movie. He probably trained for this scene. Probably. <laughs> I would have. I'd have trained my penis not to get hard with Michelle Bauer on top of me. <laughs> I mean, she's pretty acting aggressive, and and she's some might say there's he 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 was happy in certain areas of his body with the scene <laughs> yeah exactly and, and more so later when it just it'll keep it'll keep progressing so yeah, yeah, we're, yeah. we'll we'll keep and we will probably keep commenting on it so <laughs> back in the arcade area the imp tells taffy she's next he asks what she wants to wish for and taffy says she doesn't know the imp says he, he knows it's hard i know it's hard so many things and only one wish I'm actually doing pretty good. I'm doing a good imp, bro. I, I think it's it's good. Thank you. It's good. And I'm ju- I'm just doing an oogie boogie at this point. <laughs> he tells he tells Taffy to lean in. When she does, he tells her that she can have two wishes, one now and one later, because she's so pretty. But don't tell the others. Now is there something she always wanted but never got? Taffy says that all throughout school, all she ever wanted was to be queen of the prom. The imp says, and it never happened. Oh, shit. What a shame. We'll fix that. And <laughs> we hear another, the same sound effect. And now Taffy is wearing a beautiful prom dress and tiara. She smiles and spins around uh, next to Jimmy and his pile of gold. Spider looks at Calvin and says, I'm getting the hell out of here. The imp says, go ahead. You'll be sorry. Spider turns around and yells, eat shit. Then walks away. And I, I like when she gets like, I do like when she goes from zero to a hundred in aggression like that. Yeah. I think this was one of the few times she actually like it was, it, it was effective. Yeah. Yeah. Eat shit. Eat shit. Yeah. Um, but she doesn't like to swear. <laughs> so she so once she says eat shit, she walks away. Calvin follows her. The imp says, okay, uncle Impy will use all your wishes up. He then looks at the security camera and says, no fair sneaking and peeking. Come out, come out wherever you are. And then we see in the security room, all three girls are kind of like slack jawed. Uh, Just then a loud noise and like rays of light shoot out of the monitors. Babs screams and pushes herself away quickly, but Frankie and Rhonda aren't so lucky. The room glows green and they are transformed into monsters. Rhonda looks like a zombie and Frankie is the bride of Frankenstein. And then later I started referring to her as the bride of Frankie and I was like, oh, that's why they they went with that because her name's Frankie and now she becomes the bride of Frankenstein. That makes sense. Yeah. And the makeup is terrible. Terrible. Like, but Frankie does a great job of like doing this over the top acting as as great acting. Yep. I, sincerely, really, really good acting. Terrible makeup. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, terrible makeup on, on both of them on the zombie one, too. Um, and I don't know if it's she's if Rhonda's supposed to be a zombie or if those are just supposed to be like bad acne and zits or something. But I referred to her just so you all know. I refer to her as as zombie Rhonda for the rest of of the breakdown. Yeah, I think that's fair because she gets plugged a couple of times later in. Yeah. Soon. 
And it's funny, Babs runs out of the security room, but in doing so, she slams into the janitor's door that's like sort of half open. He's kind of starting to come out and he almost made it. And she slams into it and fucking closes him back in there again. It's great. Yeah, that's great. We see. God damn it. Here we go again. <laughs> oh, Buckflower. We see Babs running through the dark mall. She runs right past Calvin and Spider, but doesn't seem to notice them. They slowly walk in the directions Babs was going. Cut to the empty says, another potty pooper. Can't have that. Cut back to Babs running and crying through the mall. She finally gets to the main doors, uh, but when she grabs them, she's electrocuted and passes out on the floor. Calvin and Spider walk up right in time to see it happen. Spider says, shit, it's a trap. Calvin says, yeah, it's starting. We better tell the others. I guess what the, the, the flip basically is starting that he was he was terrified of. Yeah. Yep. Like he knew he knew what was coming from watching probably all the uh, Twilight Zone shit, you know? Yeah, no, yeah, that's spot on. Like he's he's a he's a, he's a nerd savvy nerd. And he's kind of a little bit of the knowledge character right here. Smidge. Yeah, it's great. Back in the bowling alley. Taffy is still spinning around in her pretty prom dress, but the camera pulls back and it's actually ripped up and ugly. She looks down and says, what happened to my dress? At the same, looks like her hair. What happened to her hair? Oh, Brink. It's her Brink's hair. And I think I think she's a lovely woman, but always her hair in every movie always had this like long frizziness to it. I know. I'm just like, I guess I'm I'm just always very curious. Like they didn't do anything to them. They all look, they always look the same in every single movie they're in. Right. I'm like, did. Did you get, is that like in your contract that you get to look the way you look? Like, like me, how I look with my hair, that's my look. So like, and I'm, I'm like speaking for like Brink or something and I'm, and I'm like, this is my, my look. So you can't fucking touch it. And this is how I look in it. And I'm with you. And I was, I, I, yeah, I, and I've seen her in other full moon features and stuff like that and, and everything. Um, I always got her confused when I was younger with the, the girl from, um, uh, uh, evil tunes. I forgot who that that was but i always got them kind of confused as like two brunettes you know and everything and she even might have been in that but um yeah 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 i've always been curious about her long very humid looking frizzy hair yeah i'm just um yeah it's distracting to me because i'm just like because she's a good actress she's a really good actress actually she's better than i it's like she gets better as this movie goes on yeah i agree she's good at screaming and I, and I think as far as, like, acting of the three Scream Queens go, I think Brink is the best actor of the three. But, yeah, I just I'm – dis- I'm weirdly distracted by her hair. Yeah, and then Michelle's really good at something else, but we'll get to that. <laughs> yeah. She's a good actor in the other area. In the fun zone. <laughs> yeah, there it is. There it is. Uh, at the same time, Jimmy picks up one of the bars of gold and realizes it's just painted wood. The imp says, oh, my gold. Oh, my dress. Boo hoo. Jimmy, <laughs> Jimmy yells, what's the idea? Just as zombie Rhonda side tackles him, the imp says, no way out. Joke's on you. Taffy runs off as Jimmy fights zombie Rhonda. Out of nowhere, Spider comes in swinging with her crowbar, but Rhonda catches it and bends it like rubber. Spider cool. Spider knees her in the, uh, in the stomach, then does a, a Captain Kirk-style hammer punch and knocks her to the ground. 
We saw Wingshauser do it in Deadly Force, and we see it here, and we saw fucking William Shatner do it all throughout Star Trek, but man, you don't see it anymore, and I I would love to bring back the hammer pound punch. (laughs) Well, it's like in wrestling, you know, when um, one of my favorite wrestlers of all time, Ricky the Dragon Mm. Steamboat, would go to the high rope and come down with a chop on the head, and that would, like, knock the guy out, and, like, his little hand hitting this you know yeah no it's not doing shit you know or like macho man would go to the top with his double club and but as he came down on the guy's head it turned into like almost like when you crack an egg and you <laughs> you know do the fingers on the head yeah, that's what it turned into <laughs> and i'm like this isn't doing anything you guys are not this is not doing the thing come on now and if you guys haven't listened to our uh, all wrestling episode of tv obscure that was the last tv obscure we put out it's a fun one guys and gals even if you're like not a wrestling fan i think you'll enjoy the episode of tv obscure so, so go check oh, that God, one yeah. out that was great yeah that was a fun one we, and our next one, we got a good lineup of shows for the next one. So I hope everyone's oh, enjoying just, TV Obscura. You guys, when the text thread that Corey, T, Corey Diallo and I have uh, with each other in determining what we're going to put on the next TV Obscura is always very entertaining. <laughs> and always, it's always very entertaining. And always full with, full with uh, uh, awesome YouTube links to great shows. <laughs> yes. Oh, man. There's some good stuff coming. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, for sure. Um Scene's not over yet. Uh, uh, Frankie comes running in from the other side and grabs Spider from behind, but Spider dispatches her too. She's about to give Uncle Impy the business, but Calvin grabs her and pulls her away. They so close. She's so close. She's about to, doing to beat the too. shit out of him. They run off with Jimmy and the two ghouls in hot pursuit. The imp mocks them as they run away. I will say to Lene's credit, I believe her as as a tough. Mm-hmm person so that's good like that that's that aside is good and and i think that's what i mean when i say i I believe her energy in this movie if not if not the lines you know i I think what you're saying is yeah i'm the same way it's like i believe in her as being a tough streetwise woman you know and that can handle herself and by the way she's got fucking great shoulders like damn yeah, I mean, she looks. I wouldn't want to go toe to toe with her in, in a dark alley. Yeah, seriously, she yeah. she probably, probably beat us both. <laughs> I'd take her blind uh, sister from Savage Streets over this De- if I had to deaf. go toe to toe. She's deaf. She's not blind. Oh, sorry, deaf. Yeah, sorry, deaf. <laughs> why are you st- Why are you stuck on that? Because, <laughs> because, because you remember when her facials like that's what, huh? Oh, <laughs> uh? like she had this like it was so over the top. It was like it was. It, it was so over the top. And I just remember going, yeah, because I remember the guy was like making, you know, dick sucking faces or whatever. And she's like, huh? Huh? <laughs> it just said, no, it, it just was so over the top. Yeah. So over the it top. Was. It was. Lene Quigley. But again, she was the, the character was deaf, not blind. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Maybe I wanted to be blind yeah, in that scene. There you go. <laughs> As Jimmy is running through the bowling alley. The imp trips him and yells, have a nice trip, see you next fall. 
Calvin and Spider run up to the closed door, but Calvin stops her and says, remember what happened to Babs? We don't know how powerful he is. He could have the whole place sealed off like that. Spider says, only one way to find out, and she kind of taps her hands on the door handles, but then she gets shocked by the electricity, but it doesn't knock her out. No, but she has a good scream. Well, and just then they hear Jimmy scream, and Calvin and Spider run back uh, the way they came. Uh, we see Jimmy getting attacked by zombie Rhonda and Bride of Frankie. Here's where I wrote it down. Uh, he tries to fight them off, but they jam his head in a, what looks like an ice maker, I think. Yes. Yes, question mark? <laughs> uh, they pull him out. Uh, they pull him out of it, and they rip off his head while Spider and Calvin watch. We don't see the head rip, probably due to budget, like we mentioned earlier, but we yep. later find out sort of what happens, you know, and then they make the sound effects and stuff like that, but we don't see it. Uh, Spider grabs Calvin, and they run. So... So, Zach, yeah. this is the first death that, that happens, and like most of the deaths, you don't actually see it happen. And right away, the first time I watched this, my I was like, oh, okay, I guess this is what we're going to be doing. <laughs> this, this is what we signed up for. <laughs> but, you know, yeah. I'm okay with it. Uh, I'm okay with it. Like, the... the yeah it's some sort of i don't know like what what uh spinning machine like a milkshake thing and then and then so his face is all red from the blood but you're supposed to frozen from ice i guess but you're supposed to maybe imply that his face has been all cut up yeah you know and and like what happens in a little while with another with the other dude you know, it's like you just—it's very theatric, theatrical. Like, just, just go with it. Go with the scene. Yeah. You know, yeah. we're so used to, we're so used to low budget movies having an element of 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 believable gore. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and this has zero believable gore in it. Zero. Zero. So you just kind of, but I, I think I withdrew my like. It, uh, expectations lowered them to the bottom. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm like, that's eh, fine. It is like, he's getting killed. Okay. This is, you know, like Kevin was saying, it's, it's, it's silly. Yeah. You know, it's, it's silly. It's silly. And at the same time, I didn't want Jimmy to die either at this point. You know, I, I would love to I see either. more of them. I didn't want to see a lot of the characters die in this, but unfortunately they didn't. Yep. In the locker room. Keith is trying to crawl away from Lisa, but she keeps grabbing him and pulls him back. She aggressively strips Keith of his clothes as he protests. Lisa, of course... I have no problem with that scene at all. I know. Lisa, of course, gets naked herself. Me neither. And me neither. (laughs) (laughs) It's actually like... I'm watching him just like, this is an interesting scene because she's like... She's taking her clothes off and I'm like... And it keeps going and she's like making Keith's hands grab her breasts like very aggressively. She's very aggressive. I say that every time she's aggressively like stripping him. It's aggr- it's it's fun because it is aggressive. Like she's she is overly aggressive about it. And therein lies the absurd humor. Slap a Brazzers logo on it and then suddenly it's a whole different type of movie. Bob, Bob's your uncle and there you go. 
In the bowling alley, Zombie Rhonda uses Jimmy's severed head as a bowling ball and rolls it down the lane. The imps, the imp kind of talks over it like he's a sports announcer. Lovely form. This could be a strike. Oh, no. Looks like it's going to be a gutter head. Well, thank you, fat boy. It's been a pleasure having you on the show. You actually look pretty good, too, the severed head. The severed head, I was going to actually add that when we were saying that the gore didn't look great. The severed head is the best effect in the movie. Yeah. I'm like, it, the, the capture is likeness, so. Yeah. Cut to Spider and Calvin in the back room of the alley. Calvin is about to throw up, but Spider tells him he can't. They're they're right behind him. They run into a storage room, and he throws up in the corner while Spider closes the door and barricades it with boxes. She tells him to keep quiet. We now see a montage of various parts of the mall at night, including Babs passed out on the ground, with the imp saying, It's late at night in the spooky old mall. What can happen next? Could be a boogie-oogie monster coming around the bend. <laughs> Just then, Taffy runs into view by a fountain in the middle of the mall. Bride of Frankie is chasing, chasing her and calling out for her. Taffy hides behind the fountain and Frankie can't find her. In the locker room, Lisa is still aggressively undressing herself and while Keith uh, still protests. Back in the storage room, Calvin is, is still puking while Spider finishes barricading the door with very clearly empty boxes. Yep. Uh, she helps him over to the back of the room and they both sit down together. Calvin puts his head in her lap and starts to fall asleep, but they hear Rhonda call out for Calvin and he's about to yell, oh shit, but Spider covers his mouth. This is like the first of uh, a few sitting, talking scenes. Sitting scenes. Oh, like, you know, oh, sitting you scenes. know, the one thing I would just, I, you know, if I'm, whenever I write a script, I'm going to have my, my, my protagonist sit on the ground as much as possible because nothing says protagonist, capable protagonist, like sitting on the ground, waiting for death. Yeah, and guys, this movie, guys and gals, this movie is like, a, you know, like we said, it's a buck ten. So, uh, it, I mean, it's a lot of, the scene is like maybe two or three minutes long, you know? Yeah. Yeah. All their sitting scenes. A lot of sitting. A lot of sitting. A lot of sitting. I mean, we've already way overshot the runtime of this movie. And at this point, by the way, there's about only 30 minutes left in the film. Yeah. Over by the fountain, Bride of Frankie is still trying to find Taffy. Frankie yells out, don't be afraid. It will only hurt for a little while. I promise you. Again, Frankie's the best one, I think, of of the, the ghouls right now. We see Taffy is holding a long metal pipe in one hand. Frankie Frankie finally finds Taffy hiding behind the fountain and attacks her. She says, you'll never be a tri-Delta girl now, Taffy, as she grabs the metal pipe. Uh, Taffy eventually overpowers Frankie and starts beating her on the ground with the pipe. Frankie gets back up and says, that wasn't very nice. Taffy screams, why aren't you dead? And runs away with Frankie in pursuit. It's funny. And... Back in the locker room, Keith is trying to get free of Lisa as she bites his toes through his giant 1988 white socks that you, that you know for a fact. That actor did not bring another pair with him, so that's the same feet that was in his shoes the entire fucking time they were shooting, whatever scene they were shooting, and now she's literally putting his fucking sock toe in her mouth. I'm like, 
yeah, that's it. It's just not sexy, Jack. It's just not sexy. Dude, you have no idea. I was watching the scene and I was going, oh, oh. I was disgusted. Yeah, I'm like, Michelle, you're you're doing great. You're doing great. Oh, but oh, did not. Get... Oh, Lisa. Oh, Lisa. Get that fucking sock out of your mouth. I mean, speaking personally, been in situations where been things have been great, things are going great, and then 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 the person I'm with does one thing and I'm just like, yep, oh, dip, no, no, we're done. We're done. We're done. I gotta go. I gotta, I gotta go. go. It's getting late. It's getting late. But are you sure? Yeah, it's getting late. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's getting late. But this is why this is when I think Keith gets, you know, pretty likable because he's like and he's he laughs because it's tickles, obviously. He goes, we got to talk. But Lisa says there's nothing to talk about as she tries to rip off his shorts. He keeps trying to reason with her. And I like how he says, I think you're doing this because of some sort of spell. I don't think you would be doing this under normal circumstances. And then she adds, does it matter? And then she kind of goes back to ripping off his, his shorts and everything. And I like this. This is actually a good message. He goes, yes, it does matter to me. And I think it would matter to you too, you know? And she looks at him and says, it doesn't matter. And then yanks off his shorts. And I'm like, I was like, huh, I think that was actually a pretty progressive message for 1988. For a, a, such a sleazy fucking movie. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Because I'm, I'm, Yep. <laughs> it's like being it's like being at a party and me hooking up with somebody and they're drunk as shit and you're just like you know what i like this person and i don't want to take advantage of them so um so yeah morally but then i come in <laughs> and then you know what i do <laughs> yeah no we know what you do randy cosby no i was acquitted <laughs> i know randy cosby randy Co- randy cosby i'm talking about randy cosby i'm not talking about bill cosby I'm not talking, talking about, about randy, randy cosby <laughs> randy aka imp cosby <laughs> you know what i do is i write a little song and then i say hey if you fall asleep well it's it's fair ground it's fair ground if, if you fall asleep i'm gonna get your feet <laughs> <laughs> Freddy Krueger's not the only one that goes inside and inside of you in your dreams. <laughs> Good one. Good one, buddy. Good one. <laughs> Cut to Jesus Christ. Cut to zombie Rhonda banging on the storage room door where Spider and Calvin are hiding. Spider tells Calvin to find a weapon, so he hands her a broom. She says, What am I supposed to do with that? and throws it down. He then finds a pistol and hands it to her. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Sure. Spider says, I wonder what they clean with this. And I was like, you know what? At least you threw that piece of dialogue in, you know? Yeah, that's good. The fucking 45. Big fucking gun, by the way. Yeah. As she aims the gun at the door and shoots Rond in the chest as she breaks through and comes running in. The Hitsons are flying back. Calvin says, just like John Wayne. Beautiful. I've never seen anything like it. Spider tells him to look for more bullets as Rhonda gets to her feet. Spider plugs her again, sending Rhonda back down to the ground for a second time. Spider yells, stay dead, damn it, and uh, and keeps pulling the trigger, but nothing happens. She's out of bullets. Calvin says, that's not going to stop her. Let's get out of here. Spider puts the gun back. Why? And they run out. Yeah, that was weird. Like, you had me there, Spider. You're doing so good. Oh, you put the gun back. Okay, bad choice. Whatever. <laughs> oh. It's like in that game, um, uh, it's like in that track and field game for the arcade, you know, the track and field, you're running and you're running with din, 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 like you're going over the hurdles. Yeah. And if you're like doing good and you're getting ahead of everybody and then you make one f- bad move and then suddenly everybody's back up there and it's like, 
that's what happened to her. Are you referring to the um, the track and field game that came out on the NES that had the giant pad that you had to like run on and jump on? Because I had that, that was game the back Nintendo the version. That was the yeah, that was the home version. I'm talking about the arcade one. I didn't even I know that was based on an arcade game. Yep. Wow. Okay. I had, but and then I, they updated the graphics. But by the way, I had the Nintendo Matt. Did you? No, but knowing you, I would shudder to think what that mat looks like with a black light on it. <laughs> I thought you were going to make fun of my fucking my boy boobs jiggling when I was jumping no, on it. But yeah, no, that's I would never do that. <laughs> that <too>. <laughs> I'll make jokes about your sexual prowess. <laughs> Not your fat boyhood. <laughs> you fat fuck. <laughs> oh, my God. We're watching Heavyweights right now. You know, the Disney movie oh, yeah, Heavyweights. Yeah, yeah. And, and like everything's like, you know. I don't want to go to a fat camp and this and I'm, and I'm, it's it's not it hasn't aged that well. Yeah, yeah I imagine it's, so. The message I think ultimately is good, but uh, but I'm like, oh, ooh, this is oh. Ben, ben Stiller's is, in that one, right? Yeah, it's actually got a bunch of Ben uh, Ben Stiller and like people who were in uh, Adam Sandler movies oh, too. Okay, okay, a bunch of people. Heavy heavyweights, right? That's what it's called. Heavyweights, yeah, yeah. yeah. On Disney Plus, it's worth revisiting. Sure. I saw Sandlot for the first time in my life uh, probably about six months ago on Disney+. Plus. And you so. pop a boner and go, oh, my God, it's the best baseball movie. Because that's what everyone does when they see that movie. And I'm just like, man, it's okay. No, nah, but I, I enjoyed it. I was like, oh, that's fine. That's great. My favorite baseball movie will always be oh, probably A League of Their Own just because I love Jimmy Dugan. Really? <laughs> Dude, I love Jimmy Dugan in that. Okay. Avoid the clap. Okay. That's good advice, kid. <laughs> Okay. And then probably followed by Major League. He's going to need a rocket up his ass to catch that one. Yeah, I mean, Major League's great. My my all-time favorite nostalgic baseball movie is this movie called Pastime. Mm. Uh, it's It's got like maybe four or five actors in it total. But William Russ, who was the dad on Boy Meets World, yeah. uh, great actor. And I forget the other actor in it, but it's about this aging, uh, like old timer pitcher who was in the major leagues at one point, but now he's in the minor leagues and he's kind of, uh, he's, he's, um, mentoring this new pitcher who's coming along. It's just a beautiful movie. Uh, and yeah. And it's, it's just one of those, like, if you love baseball, you'll love this, you know, cause it's like minor league stuff. And if you've ever been to a minor league game, that's the best place to see a, a real baseball game. Cause these guys are like really want to fucking get to the bigs, you know? So you, you love your baseball. I've never I been to a minor league game before in my life. Oh, I, I love baseball, man. I love it. I, I can't play worse shit, but I love to watch it. I love baseball movies. Okay. Love baseball movies. Okay. I think Anyways. I love uh, football movies the way you love baseball movies. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I don't think there, I feel like there's better, there's more baseball movies than there are football Pro- movies. Probably. I, I'd say, yeah, yeah. And hey, guys and gals, welcome to the baseball podcast. Let us know what <laughs> welcome your Welcome to favorite- the sports movie podcast. <laughs> welcome- <laughs> yeah. Let us know what your favorite uh, baseball movie is out there. So. Hey, hey. Oh, hey, Lin- hey, Linnea. Can you get back to my fuck fucking movie? movie? <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. Hey. In the locker room, Keith tells Lisa that he has to go. He has to get, like, ice, ice cubes. Sure, why not? Uh, she's kissing his fingers and trying to reel him back in. Uh, at this point, she's only wearing her black panties. Uh, we see the janitor finally free himself from the closet. While doing so, he jams his finger in the door and says, Damn, that's, that sucker's going to be the size of a donkey dick come daylight. Guess I'll have to learn to scratch my balls with my other hand. Good thing I love my work. 
And I was like, uh, I was like, you should have ended it with the balls in the other hand part. Like, I know. I love my work doesn't like, is your job scratching your balls? Is that the joke? Because ah, I think it should have ended one sentence earlier. Yeah. Agreed. I bet you that scene was improvised, by the way. I think a lot of scenes and dialogue were improvised, to be honest with you. I think that's why there's, yep. I think it's why they have a hard time matching up the continuity of what they're referring to, to what's happening. True. First draft. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Cut to zombie Rhonda looking in a mirror, trying to use makeup to, to cover up her now horrifying face. Um, I, After I, she's been shot twice, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we see Keith with a towel around his waist walk past the storage room where Calvin and Spider were in. Back at the makeup mirror, zombie Rhonda with white, white cream on her face. That's This is when I said, maybe it's zit cream and not, not makeup. And she looks at herself and says, darn, this is never going to clear up. And that's when I was like, oh, this is when I realized, I was like, maybe that's just, it's just supposed to be bad acne and not zombie makeup. I, I, don't, I didn't no, know. No, I think it's supposed to be like her face is falling apart yeah. kind of thing. And yeah, but, but, that, but too, it's like they don't really, yeah. Yeah. I'm not. And it doesn't yeah. really like go anywhere. And if anything, I would have loved to like her. Like I wish that the that the two ghouls, Rhonda and 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 Frankie, I wish they get turned into something like ironic or something. It's it's because Rhonda's like never saying, "Oh my my face," and then Frankie like, "Oh I love the bride of Frankenstein." I don't know. There's no connection of what happens to them versus like who they are as characters. You expect in this type of story for it to be somehow connected. Yeah, because Babs gets turned into when we get to her, we, she gets turned into something, and like the two of them should have been the same thing, because they're like her lackeys. Yeah, yeah. But I'm sure they just grabbed whatever costumes they had and exactly kind of improvised on the spot. Yeah, because they were too busy getting drunk through this whole thing. Everybody was apparently Probably. they'd open bar at this. They- they did. You're right. They had an open bar on set. And you know what? It was probably a fun fucking movie to make. I'm not going to lie. I, I tell you, I think Charles Band had had a shit ton of money and just didn't know what to do with it. Yeah. Because he would give a guy 10 picture deal moving forward. Yeah. That's a lot of movies. And just be like, and, and, yeah, wild. Yeah, dude. Yeah, dude. Maybe one day we'll interview Charles Band. That'd be great. Would love to. Yeah, I, I do want to read his book. Sincerely, he's got a biography out, so I want to read that. Uh, yeah, I'm with you. Actually, I want to read that too. Um, in the bowling alley kitchen, Keith looks around. The French fry fryer is running for some reason, uh, and has boiling hot grease in it. Keith walks over. Because you leave that on overnight, didn't you know that? Yeah, right. Oh, right. You just—that's just a normal thing. You just leave it. On. You know, we learned that in uh, the Wraith with the from the hot, the hamburger stand, you know, whatever. Uh, you just leave the fryer uh, running overnight. No, no big deal. Always. Yeah, always. It's you don't you don't want to let that that grease congeal, right? You know. No, that's what happens. <laughs> Keith walks over to the fryer and looks in. He hears a female voice call out for him and thinks it's Lisa. He looks around the kitchen, uh, but gets no reply, so he goes back to the fryer. As Keith's looking in it, zombie Rhonda comes out of the shadows behind him and shoves his head into the fryer, killing Keith. We see the imp yelling, Crispy Critters! And again, I'm like, oh, 
Ah, Keith, I didn't want him to die. And then, like, as far as, like, movie language goes, I feel like he didn't deserve to die either, you know, because I feel like usually when you do the right thing, he got away from Lisa. He was trying to do the right thing. You don't usually kill your characters because of that. There's a, there's some kind of, like, laws to this. You know, there's there's rules to this. They talk about it in Scream, you know. There, there's or rules to this. And it feels yeah. like this broke that rule. This movie breaks a lot of rules, yeah. but but maybe maybe he would have, maybe he only backed out because he wasn't as attracted to her as Lisa as he thought he was. There you go. And if he was more attracted to her, he would have done the deed. There you go. You know what? I'll accept that, my friend. I will take that. Because that's the truth. Cut to Calvin and Spider <laughs> hiding in the men's bathroom by the urinals. By the way, don't ever sit on the ground by the men's urinals because we all fucking miss. Spider, yeah, because they're all they're sitting again. Yep, they're again they're sitting. Spider's cracking her knuckles, and Calvin asks her to stop because it's giving him the creeps. Spider lights up a cigarette, and Calvin says, "You shouldn't do that either. It's bad for you." Mm. She looks at him and says, "God damn it! How did I get stuck with you?" Calvin wonders how the others are doing. He hopes they're all right, but Spider says, let them take their own chances. There's a pause, and she starts making a plan. First, we got to find some weapons. Snack bar. There should be some knives there. Calvin asks, uh, what good will knives do when a gun barely slowed Rhonda down? Spider says, it's better than nothing. And she kind of, like, smirks. So she's, you know, she kind of transitions. Calvin asks uh, Spider, what's so funny? She says, I was just thinking, the first time you saw me, you said, hi, do you come here often? Calvin replies, that's what Jimmy says you should say. Stupid, I know. Spider laughs and says it was very stupid and sort of looks at him. You can tell she's starting to like Calvin. Yeah. Uh, reality comes back to Spider and he says, how the fuck are we going to get out of here alive? But I do like, I do like her warming up to him, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I know. You're like, you're like, yeah, see no, all I'm... the previous problems, Zach, that we both have with Linnea's acting. Yes, I know. I know. Yeah, I do, too. I do, too. There, there, there's a budding relationship forming. And do you like that? Do you like that trope of the, the streetwise girl hooking up with like the nerdy guy? I do. Guy? Yeah, I, it's cool. Like, I'd rather see a relationship form. Um, and, and, you know, she's this badass and he's 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 got some good ideas with his kind of horror background. So. Uh, yeah, I like it. It it works. You you said you mentioned something that sparked a memory. So he's almost kind of like the evil Ed character in this movie, but I I really kind of actually wished they leaned more into his knowledge of horror movies like they do with Evil Ed and Fright Night. And I wish they did that here because they, you know, they start to with him saying, oh, it's starting and kind of being like, oh, wishes can backfire on you. I wish there was more of him utilizing his horror knowledge. Yeah, I think I think this is a good movie to, to like world build with because there's so much left to be said. out. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and 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 if you and I think maybe that adds to the cult fandom of this movie. People go, yeah, but 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 you know he's like this cool, he's like this this horror sci-fi kind of nerdy guy who like he saves the day at the end. Well, but you know, yet yeah, he does and he doesn't, and and she's like this kind of cool like biker chick, like like building this these. They're building more than actually what is in the movie. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And we're at the end of the and like after the movie's over and you walk away from me like, no, yeah, it was a fun film. Yeah. Like 
Yeah, I think that's what most people say. But then over time, people go, no, but that was a fun film. And that's what becomes the cult classic about it. And and, and because you kind of filled in a lot of the blanks in your own head, basically. Is, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you there, man. And we're breaking it down. And most people probably don't take the time to break it down. Yeah. Most people are watching this movie either like inebriated in some way or, you know, at a party. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Then and then if you're discussing it on a podcast, they're probably just doing like a ra- typical roundtable discussion of it. But yeah, yeah, we're breaking the whole fucking thing down, guys. We're doing this for the Dookie Doc, which you guys should sincerely consider, you know, looking into. Yeah, yeah. Please, please do. Again, this episode is sponsored by the Life and Slimes of Dookie Flyswatter and the Haunted Garage. Uh, we will have our interview with uh, Kevin Von Esper, who's putting that documentary together. Uh, it will be out either the same time, before, after, but the same week. I haven't figured out what the what the rollout's going to be, but it'll probably be the it'll definitely be the same week. Um, and uh, but yeah, it's it's really cool. And he, Kevin, obviously has a lot of love for for Dookie Fly water and everything and and it's it's apparently it's mutual like they're friends and everything and uh it's it's a cool story and i hope he you know i hope everyone checks this out so yeah go check out uh dookie doc and on instagram it's just at dookie doc and then uh dookie doc dot com um and again i'll have all the links in the show notes of this episode but please consider uh checking out the indiegogo campaign uh support artists man just support fucking art and shit you know yeah yeah, Kevin Von Esper seems like a really cool guy, and he's very passionate about this project. And and uh, he, we had actually a really fun discussion with him. Yeah. So uh, he, he's 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 a unique personality in a good way. Yeah, very much so. Very very much so. And now back to the program. <laughs> good one. <laughs> Cut to Taffy in her shitty prom dress. She sees Keith sitting alone in a dark booth in the snack bar area of the bowling alley. Taffy asks if he's seen Lisa, but when he doesn't reply, she shakes him, and we see Keith's burned face. Taffy screams and runs right into the arms of Zombie Rhonda and Bride of Frankie. We get a shot of the imp watching and laughing. When it cuts back to Taffy, Frankie is holding her legs and Rhonda is holding her upper half. Taffy screams as the two ghouls attempt to pull her apart and eventually do. Sadly, you don't see it, but again, at this point, I've already lowered my expectation. I know I'm not going to see it. So they do a good job. They make the sound effect. They're, you know, ripping sound effect. And then later, you know, we'll talk about it when it happens. But later, they do a good job of also showing you the aftermath of it. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Cut to Babs running through the dark bowling alley. She stumbles across uh, Jimmy's body and keeps running until she ends up in the back of the bowling lanes behind all the machinery. Babs slumps down against the wall under the bowling pins and cries, What's happening? We see Spider and Calvin walk into the snack bar area. They find Taffy's body that's been ripped in half at the waist, but it's hidden by a giant pillar, so they basically have Brink up top and then just another body down below. So, you know, you have a giant pillar in the middle of her body, but she's clearly too long, you know? And, And I think, honestly... Very effective. I was fine. Yeah, it's with fine. This. It's smart. Yeah, it's good. I don't think you need to. Yeah, you're because your brain just fills it in. It's the it's the Jaws scenario that your brain fills in the gaps and and sometimes not always. There's a couple of times where I would rather I would like to have seen the head cut off, but sometimes it works <laughs> like this one where I'm like, yeah. okay, my brain's gonna fill in what's there, and I, I think it's actually very effective. 
I agree. I agree. Uh, and then Keith's in the booth. Calvin says he thinks he's going to be sick, but Spider says, you have nothing left to throw up, and we don't have the time to waste for you to try. She jumps the snack bar counter and finds a knife to use as a weapon. Back behind the bowling lanes, Babs is still crying under the spare bowling pins. We hear the imp say, Where are you going, my pretty? She looks around and sees him standing on top of the machinery. Babs says, Damn you! To which the imp replies, Already done, I'm afraid. She cries, Who are you? Why are you doing this? What did you do with Rhonda and Frankie? The imp says, Please, so many questions. Let's take them one at a time. I'm an imp. One of the minor imps, to be sure, but not without certain powers and magical capabilities, as you have seen. Rhonda and Frankie have been made over into demons of a sort. Demonic stamina, but without spell-casting powers. Here's what I don't know what he says. Idiots, both of them. I think he says idiots, both of them. I don't... It's something derogatory, but I don't know what it was. And I rewound it, not gonna lie, 15 times. Sounds about right to me. But I think the sentiment is there. I think he says something like, Idiots, the both of them. My own fault for choosing such unpromising material. Coeds, really? The imp jumps down to the ground and is standing right in front of Babs. He continues, What I'm doing is tormenting you. It's what imps do, Goofy. And I do take pride in my work. Babs pleads with imp to stop. He replies, you don't understand. I have to do this. I must. Babs says no, and he goes on, a nasty lesson for a nasty girl. Babs jumps up to run, but zombie Rhonda is blocking her path. Rhonda punches Babs, knocking her to the ground, then grabs a spare bowling pin to beat, beat her, but Babs quickly recovers and deflects the blow. She then shoves Rhonda into the bowling lane machinery while the imp laughs. We see Rhonda land on the other side of the machinery, which also happens to be the bowling lane. Spider and Calvin see Rhonda lying face down uh, towards them by the pins. Spider grabs a bowling ball and rolls it down the, the lane and into Rhonda's screaming face. Calvin cheers and Spider says that they have to check to make sure she's dead. And this is the scene you and I were talking about where... There's when when uh, Spider Linnea Quigley rolls the ball. There's a tarp in the back of the shot covering the other half of the of the bowling alley, and yeah, that weird. and that half looks more lit, like it's more lighted up. Because they're like, well, we're still open, but we can, you know, our <laughs> our. what is that? Like, I can't. Even, I was trying to figure out like what that was. Like, it looks like a bunch of chairs. Like everything's like a weird, the same height. You know what I mean? I mean I, that might have been where all their equipment was. I don't know. That's a good point too. They might have just had to stage it there and say, let's just put up the tarps and and hide it. That's that's a good point. Could be their equipment stage. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting though. Behind the machinery, Babs laughs at the imp. Back in the lane, Spider checks Rhonda's pulse and says, would a demon have a pulse? Calvin says he doesn't know and then grabs Rhonda arm, grabs Rhonda's arm and flaps it around. He says, any other time she would have come up after us. We beat her. She's dead. One dead demon. Calvin smacks her hand one more time, then hears Babs laugh from behind the lane. 
But did you yes. notice that at some point Calvin kind of hits the bowling lane with his hand when he's talking? And you can yeah. tell it hurt. Like you can tell it did, but he, he he kept it going, like he kept the scene going. And that and it even makes like a smacking sound, you know? And that I think goes to what you said earlier that they probably just did one take on these things. Yeah, I think they just you know, some of the scenes like don't feel like was the best one, but it's probably, well, that's, that's all we got. And and they have to do it after hours point. after. So they know that they're on a time frame here. You know, they got to boom, yep. boom, boom, knock this shit out. Cut back to Babs celebrating Spider and Calvin's victory. She tells the imp they can beat him. He says, what do I care? You're going to take a place. And a green light envelops Babs as she screams. Spider and Calvin bust open the doors to the machine room back like where they were, but they don't find Babs and the imp. Spider says, let's find the others. We see Calvin and Babs sneaking by the security room door, then opening the janitor's office, which is different than the janitor's closet. So, yeah. And they find the janitor inside sleeping. Calvin and Spider wake him up by pulling on his beard because he couldn't hear them yelling in his face. He looks at them and tells them they shouldn't be here. The mall is closed. Calvin says they're trapped in here. The janitor says, what? And turns his and turns up his hearing aid. Calvin yells they are trapped. And of course, the janitor says, ain't no reason to yell. Classic hearing aid joke. Classic hearing aid joke. <laughs> <laughs> the janitor asks, what do you mean trapped? Spider says to Calvin, just tell him the story. He'll love it. Calvin says there are demons killing their friends. The janitor says... I gotta tell you, I gotta tell you both kids, drugs are not the answer. You gotta learn to do like it says on the TV. You gotta say no, which I love. Sp- Spider tells the janitor to not interrupt Calvin. It gets better. Calvin starts at the beginning and tells the janitor the whole story. When Calvin says they had to steal a bowling trophy, the janitor perks up and says, which one? Calvin says the big one. The janitor asks if they opened it. Calvin says it got opened. The janitor looks shocked and says, my God, you know what you've done? You let the imp out. Spider asks, what does he know about the imp? 30 years he's been in here and you let him out. How many's dead? She says three that they know of. Then Spider says, if you know something about this, you better tell us because that imp has this whole damn place sealed up and the only way out is by dying. And here starts another hearing aid joke, which... I actually think works. The janitor says, I ain't lying. It was 30 years ago. I ought to know. I've been here that long. I've been here at the bowling alley almost my whole life. Matter of fact, it was March 1956. You see, there was this feller named Dave McCabe. used to come in here all the time. By the way, Dave McCabe was uh, Dave Dakota's uh, porn name because he used to direct porn. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. No. I like how Zach's like, oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> I just love how you're like, yes, clearly. You didn't that have to explain with this Michelle to me. Michelle Bowers. <laughs> very well directed. Uh, he loved to bowl, but he was just terrible at it. Every time he picked up a ball, it would end up in the gutter. Well, folks, they laughed at him and made fun of him. Then one day, McCabe came in and bowled a perfect game. He kept right on doing it strike every time he even won the league tournament that year and that's when all the terrible things started to happen everyone that ever made fun of old dave even just a little bit they started to turn up dead and i mean awful dead 
all ripped apart. It was it was a terrible thing to see. Spider says, enough, Pops. The janitor goes on, you're right. They did call the cops. All the <laughs> and the cops figured old Dave done done it and they, they lock him away. Poor fella. He died there. He died that very year in the gas chamber, just two days before Christmas. Spider says, Sounds like an awful mess. The janitor says, No, he never did confess. <laughs> right up till the very end, he said he never done it. Uh, uh said he used black magic uh, to come up with to call up some sort of imp to help him be a better bowler. Then he said things just got out of hand and this imp just started killing everyone in sight. Spider says, that is really the most stupid story I've ever heard. The janitor corrects her. No, it wasn't a bird. It was an imp. <laughs> Dave told Dave told me that and I, and I believe him because I was there. I seen the bodies. It was terrible. Calvin asks, but how did the imp get in get in the trophy? And he and I, I like the joke because Calvin yells it, you know, so he does hear that. Yeah. Oh, that. Well, McCabe told me about that just before he got arrested. You see, he trapped him in there. He's an imp. When he gets trapped up in closed spaces like that, he loses all his powers. Like old King Solomon who bottled up the genies. Spider adds, and and you just left him on the shelf for thirty years? The janitor says, hey, I don't mess with black magic. Besides, everything was fine until you kids let him out. Calvin asks what they're supposed to do now. The janitor tells them you trap him like McCabe did. Spider chimes in, right. We just get him in a headlock, kick him in the butt, and put him right back in the trophy. That sounds like no problem to me. I'm sure you can handle it, Calvin. The janitor adds, I hear tell something about turning magic against itself, but I don't know how you do that. By the way, I love the way. I love I hear tell. I love that phrase. I hear tell. I hear tell. <laughs> I think what you got to do is probably get him in a headlock and kick him in the butt and then stuff his little, the little shit back on the trophy. <laughs> Again, it, it works. It works all the way to the end. Uh, yeah, this scene's not bad. No, because Buck Flower fucking rocks. Yeah, he's great. Calvin says at least they know what they're up against. Probably the best thing to do is find the others. Spider agrees, then looks at the janitor and says, I want you to wait here. You lock the door and listen for us, please. The janitor says uh, he can't hear and fiddles with the hearing aid volume. Spider turns it all the way up and kind of like re-yells what she just said. The janitor says, this thing still ain't working. I'll tell you what I better do. I better wait right here, lock the door, and listen for you. Spider says, great idea, and then grabs Calvin to leave. I think this scene works and it's, it's great because it's also the, 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 the knowledge scene. It tells you everything about the imp and all that kind of stuff. But I think, I think the comedy in it works. Yeah. And Buck, Buck flowers gold. If it wasn't, if it was some generic dude, it would be terrible. And, and I think at this point, or boring. is he the, like the, the, the highest built actor here? Like, you know what I mean? Like, is, or the actor that's probably done the most work at this point? Yeah, I probably, yeah, him and Linnea. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Linnea. Cut to Lisa, fully naked in the locker room. It's a POV shot of someone walking in. Lisa asks Keith why she kept him waiting. Then she looks up and gasps. We see a female finger turn out the lights in the locker room. Calvin and Spider make their way to, uh, through the dark alley looking for survivors. This is, this is a... This is a bad scene. As good as the previous scene was, this is a bad scene. They come yeah. to a closed door. 
Before opening it, Calvin turns to Spider, who's holding a knife, and tells her to shush. Just then the door opens, and, and Frankie grabs Calvin and pulls him into the room, whatever that room is. Spider screams, tear, like she's like, ah, and drops yeah. her knife. Calvin gets thrown back out of the door, and then Frankie just kind of shoots out, reaches down, grabs the knife, and runs back into the room. Calvin closes the door and grabs like he's got like his arms now wounded, and he goes, Goddamn she-demons. I hate him. Spider says uh, she saw a first aid kit in the storage room and pulls Calvin away from the door. But dude, that this scene is so weird. What? It's weird. It's weird. It's stupid. Like it. It. It's. It's. It's very amateur. I, I get it. This movie is amateurish, but this scene is very amateurish. It's probably the most amateurish scene of the entire movie. Agreed. In the locker room, we see a punked out Babs walk into view. Lisa she pleads. She looks hot. Yeah, dude, she's fucking hot as shit. Lisa pleads with her, but Bab says, "Time to complete the initiation." And what was up with the way she was talking at this point? I don't know. It's it was weird, wasn't it? It is. Yeah. She, yeah, but but I mean, she's owning it. She is. She's owning it. We see uh, she's in leather and carrying a whip in her and her paddle. Lisa backs into the lockers and Babs lifts the paddle and brings it down on her as the scene cuts to. Spider and Calvin in the storage room. Before we leave that scene, we have to we have to I have to mention Lisa's fully buck naked. She is fully enhanced. And Babs's nipple is about to fall out. Yes. And then I'm I'm implying that what, you know, like she chopped she chopped her with that thing. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah, I mean it's I, I like seeing Bab Babs fully like realize as like this demonic presence. And you know, you mentioned earlier, like this could be a you could easily remake this and kind of like extrapolate a lot of the stuff. And I would love to see the Babs character just go fully dominatrix at this point, you know? Yeah, and, totally. And and this makes sense for that character, but like the way that Rhonda and Frankie don't make sense for like what happens to their goals. Like I wanted to see like like, you know, the Babs turning into this is like you said, it's like her ultimate form. I wanted to see the other two girls, like, at least know enough about their personality to know what their ultimate form was going to be. Yeah, same. Spider and Calvin in the storage room. So I said it kind of cuts to that. Uh, so he's passed out on her shoulder and she's pouring gasoline in a bottle to make a Molotov cocktail. Spider wakes Calvin up and shows him uh, the weapon she made. She says, I figure if we can't beat him to death, we can burn him. She hands Calvin a lighter and says he's going to do the lighting and she'll do the throwing. And we better get it right the first time because they only have one. And they're sitting again, by the way. Yes. Yes, they are. Final sitting scene, though. Oh, yes, it is. And there's only like 10 minutes left in the movie. Spider asks Calvin if he can make it. He says he can. And she says, my hero and rolls her eyes. Calvin asks, do you ever say anything that isn't sarcastic? She looks at him and says, it's a way of life and shrugs and smiles. It's a way of acting, too. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We see a shot of the bowling lane where zombie Rhonda was killed and her body's gone. We hear the imp via voiceover say, where's Miss Lumpyface? (laughs) Ha ha. Cut to Spider and Calvin checking out their locker room. Spider says to Calvin, maybe you should give me the lighter back. Uh, But he flicks it and says he can handle it. 
Just then, Babs jumps out of the darkness and puts her whip around Spider's neck and drags her to the ground. Spider reaches for the bottle of alcohol, but Babs stomps her hand. Calvin goes for it, but she bitch slaps him and knocks him out. Spider gets to her feet and starts working Babs with some body and head shots. Spider takes the opportunity to pick up her unlit Molotov cocktail off the ground. Babs' areola almost falls out (laughs) a lot in this scene. Uh, Babs eggs her on and says, go ahead, throw it. Spider tosses the the bottle past Babs and Calvin catches it behind her. Babs positions herself so now she's facing both of them and says, oh, you're enjoying this as much as I am to Spider. She replies with, not half as much as I will in a second. Calvin lights the Molotov and says, Babs, have a cocktail before throwing it and catching her on fire. We see Babs completely engulfed in flames. Unfortunately, the reaction shots from Spider and Calvin aren't lit by fire in front of them. Spider smiles and walks over to Calvin and says, nice catch, nice throw. Calvin says, thanks. What a stench, huh? Spider replies, it's too bad we had to kill her. I really liked her, the outfit she had on. So my biggest takeaway was when she was engulfed, and by the way, it was like a full stunt person, fully engulfed. It's cool. It's, it's, it's cool. cool. But their reaction shots, bro, are like in shadows because yeah. they didn't like mimic the firelight on them. You, did you notice yeah. that? Yeah, I did. And like, well, wouldn't it be a little bit brighter? <laughs> right? Because they're in such bit. a small fucking room, you know? Yeah. 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 But the but the but her going up in flames looked cool. It did. It did. And the fight scene was fine. And, you yeah. know, Babs's areola almost falling out was great. And her outfit was great. And I love Babs. Yeah. Yeah. Babs is great. R.I.P. R.I.P. Babs. Cut to the janitor's door, and we see a woman's hand knocking on it. When the janitor opens it, Frankie raises the knife she stole from Spider as she as he yells, God damn the fucking imp! And we, and we assume he kills her, but she kind of like stands with her hand over it. It's one of those, we've talked about it before, where the camera sort of lingers, but it's supposed to be a freeze frame, but yet the actor, yeah. one actor thinks it's a freeze frame, but the other actor doesn't think it's a freeze frame. Yeah, it's... Yeah, and it's, it's a shame that the janitor is now dead. Back in the locker room, Calvin walks over and sits next to Spider. This is the last sitting scene. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> he says he found Lisa's, uh, uh, Lisa dead. Calvin touches Spider's shoulder, and she winces. He says he'll go get a first aid kit, but she says she doesn't need it. Spider says, I'm okay. Let's just get the old guy and get out of here. Calvin reminds her they stuffed the empty deal with. Uh, she wants uh, to stuff him back in the trophy. She doesn't care... How? Just that they fucking do it. Spider and Calvin go and check on the janitor in his room, but find find him dead with Frankie standing over him. Uh, she sees them and turns around, but Calvin shuts the door and they both run. Frankie opens the door and now she has an axe for some reason. Because they're all lying around everywhere. Axes, of course. As they do. She chases them back down into the bowling alley with it, but catches them before they can make it to the doors. Spider starts wrestling with Frankie, trying to get the axe out of her hands. Calvin just watches as she dodges multiple axe swings. Spider eventually gets the upper hand and lops Frankie's head off with her own axe. Yeah, that's good. Now, this is cool. The head goes flying, and when it hits the door uh, that leads outside, it shorts out the magic seal, and they fly open. Calvin says magic against itself spider still holding the axe runs up to calvin and tells him to get the car he runs outside while she runs back into the bowling alley 
Outside, Calvin hops in the car and starts it up. Didn't Keith have the keys? Yes. <laughs> You're like, I, I, guys and gals, I'm looking at Zach and he's just like, the look on his face is, you know the answer to this. He's like, yeah, I mean, yes. like, come on. And what happens to him in the car in a minute is, is like the fact that he survives is ridiculous, but whatever. Yes, yes, it's, yes. Uh, so, he, so he starts it up. Uh, as he's driving, Zombie Rhonda pops up from the back seat and yells, Surprise! It's Rhonda! And I do like that Rhonda says her own name. I do like yeah, that. that's funny. That's funny. Uh, she starts strangling him. The, inch, the imp watches from the bullying alley and says, Monster in the back seat! Oldest trick in the book! As he's watching, Spider is sneaking up on him from behind with an upside-down trash can. She yells, stuff it, you little prick, as she puts the can over him. In the car, Calvin can't break free from the from zombie Rhonda and crashes into other parked cars, causing his car to flip over. Not a bad stunt. Not a bad stunt, and the car flips over and is crunched. Yeah. Yeah. That stuntman is dead. Yes. <laughs> Calvin is dead. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Spider screams for Calvin and runs to his aid as he's crawling out of the demolished vehicle. She helps him to his feet and puts his glasses on for him. It's a sweet moment. Calvin asks where the imp is, and Spider says, over there, and she kind of looks back to the trash can. There's a short time jump because it's now dawn, and Spider is sitting on a motorcycle, and Calvin is standing next to her. She says... That's what stopped Rhonda. The imp loses its power when it's trapped. Calvin says, so it's finally over? Spider says, come on, Calvin, we gotta go. He asks why. Someone must have heard this and the cops will be on their way. Calvin says, who cares? You want to explain eight mutilated bodies lying around? The imp did it, he says. Yeah, right. You want to open, open the can and prove it? Calvin shakes his head no. Spider then smiles and says, you coming with me or not? Calvin asks where they're going. Spider takes his glasses off his face and says, my place. He's getting some. Yeah, yeah, he is. Calvin gets on the back of the motorcycle and they awkwardly drive off into the sunrise because Linnea Quigley said she could drive a motorcycle to David Dakota. she lied. She lied. She lied. And you can see it when she kicks her feet. It's She's very unsure of it. Oh, so unsure. <laughs> it's it's such an awkward scene. I'm just like, then shoot the scene up, up above. Like, I don't know. And have a cutaway. She's pull, l- taken off. Yeah. Yeah. I, no, that's, I mean, that's why I say they awkwardly drive into the sunrise. Yeah. Because it is awkward. Uh, the camera pans down to the trash can as the imp pleads, Hey, where are you going? Don't leave me here. I'll be a good little imp. I promise I will. It's so dark and dank and musty in here. It smells like tobacco. I promise I'll be good. You in the front row. Want to make a wish? <laughs> and it cuts to credits. I like how he talks to the, the crowd, you know, and everything. He is. It's great. And, and it automatically sets up for a sequel. And believe it or not, Brink Stevens, if you go to IMDb, is uh, directing, it's in production right now, Sorority Babes in Slime Ball Bowl-Rama Part 2. Wow, good for her. Wow, with maybe, maybe we'll review her, that. Brink Stevens returning as Taffy, Michelle Bauer returning as Lisa, and Linnea Quigley returning as Spider. Wow. How they'll explain all that is 
I mean, beyond well, us, whatever, who cares? <laughs> uh, and then the poster, the poster is, is your favorite uh, Photoshopping, but it says the imp is back. It's got three scantily clad uh, women on the front uh, and the imp at the top. And, and let me guess. Yeah. It's, it's one of those Photoshop posters. Yep. It looks exactly it's like every I think full it is. moon. Yep. Every full every full moon, um, you know, TNA movie. Yep, looks like this. Looks exactly like every poster. If anything, I wish Charles Band put more money into the poster art. But, ladies and gentlemen, that is Sorority Babes and the Slimeball Bolarama, a movie that, again, and I was thinking about this, dude. Like, it's hard not to fall in love with the movie that you're breaking down because at, after the end of it, you've spent two days with it, you know, and you, you just, you've lived in it so intimately. It's hard not to love it, but I do think that this day and age, this movie's for a very specific group of people, but for those specific group of people, I think it's a crowd pleaser. And I do think that there's a lot of merits to this film. I also think there's a lot holding it back from greatness, but for a shoestring budget, you know, and, 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 you know, shooting in 10 days and everything, it's a movie. They put together a movie, you know, three-act structure. And, and honestly, I'd say more of it works than doesn't work. So hats off to uh, David Dakota and the entire crew for Sorority Babes and Slimeball Bowl Rama. Still, I'd say the poster is the best part of the movie, though. Totally agree. Uh, look, we we broke this movie down in conjunction with our interview with Kevin Von Esper and his Dookie Doc and, you know, chose a movie from uh, Dookie Fly Swatter's kind of filmography that we felt would fit the pad profile. And, and it does, yeah. it does. It's a, it's a, it's a very uh, uh, wild movie and I'm glad I watched it. Uh, I overall, I enjoyed it overall. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Um, you know, my, my only complaints are things that are more about ability versus uh, substance in the movie. So I'm happy with the film overall. Would I watch it again? Sure, I'd watch it again. You know, take it for what it is. Like, even legendary actors uh, have their their moments of, of where they don't hit all the marks. And, uh, you know, again, no disrespect. And I, we were like this with Nine of the Comet. Yeah. There were moments where we're like, that didn't fly. It yeah. didn't click. Yeah, I think I think we were I think we were pretty fair and honest, and and, not, and we didn't shit on anything. So uh, you know, you be the judge. If you like what we said, let us know. If you didn't like what we said, don't let us know. <laughs> exactly, exactly. We're if you all- like what we said, then go over to Patreon and sign up for our Patreon. Consider it, consider it, guys. If you considered it and you're not able to do it, go over to our podcast, uh, go over to our Apple Podcast or Spotify and follow us. Write us a review. Bada, bada, bada. Yeah, yeah, that's a free way to help the show if, if you can't support us on Patreon. Um, and if you're a fan of this movie or, or the other Dookie Flyswatter movies or just Dookie Flyswatter and the Haunted Garage, the band itself, uh, please, 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 please go check out uh, The Life and Slimes of Dookie Flyswatter and the Haunted Garage over on Indiegogo. Uh, our pal Kevin Von Esper is doing the, the campaign for that. And, uh, you know, you'll, you'll hear the 
the document. You'll hear the interview that we have with him, and uh, you know he he's gonna he, he's he's working on the doc. It's already you know pretty much you know almost done and everything. He just needs a little bit of a push to help him get him there and everything. And uh, we love supporting other artists, especially when they're obviously you know orbiting the same you know paths that we orbit, which is this cult you know '80s cult movie world that we just love so much. So please go check out the life and slimes of Dookie Flyswatter and the Haunted Garage on Indiegogo. We will have the links in the show notes. And also, go check out $2 Lafey. Zach, my man, what you guys got going on uh, this month coming up? We are devoting this month to Remo Williams. There the adventure go. begins. And we have an interview uh, with Patrick Kilpatrick coming up sto- coming up soon. He plays Stone in the movie, the, the guy with the Tiffany tooth. Uh, that gets his face caved in by Remo Williams. <laughs> if you've never seen Remo Williams, it's a it's a tremendously awesome cult classic movie from the 80s. Yeah. Uh, a lot to say about that one in our pre-episode to Patrick's interview. Patrick is a very interesting guy with a very interesting interview. So that's on the docket at the moment. And then next month, we're devoting the entire month to Streets of Fire. Ooh, ooh that's a movie that... Uh, I've actually never seen, but I I really want to. Uh, the more I learn about it, the more I'm like, oh, this this sounds really really neat. So it's yeah. it's a movie that was that I remember from Big Wolf, the video store that I worked at. I remember always seeing the the DVD there, and in like session nine, it just collected dust, and I was like, oh, well then you know I I just assume it sucks, but but like session nine, I don't think it will suck. So or. No, Unlike, no, I don't know. I love session nine, so I don't know what I'm trying to say. But you get what I'm trying to say. Oh, I'm picking up what you put. I'm picking up what you're putting down. There you go. It's good stuff. There you go. <laughs> and of course, like Zach says, check out our Patreon. Uh, we are right now going through uh, John Carpenter's complete filmography on our Patreon page under the uh, it's it's under the Autour de Force tier for five dollars a month. And uh, each basically, we're going to go through multiple uh, Autour's filmography. But right now, we're doing John Carpenter's, and it's going to take us two fucking years to do it. And we've already covered uh, Dark Star, Assault on Precinct 13, um, Halloween with our pal David Irons, and then the newest episode that we have is Someone's Watching Me, which was his first TV movie uh, that he did and, with Lauren Hutton. And this month, May, we are going to be covering Elvis, his second made-for-TV movie, uh, the movie I think he met uh, uh, Kurt Russell on, right? Yeah, I believe so. So we're covering that, and we're going to cover every single movie in this filmography, including the movies we've already, you know, done done episodes on, like Prince of Darkness and The Thing and everything. We're going to redo them, but we're not we're not breaking the entire movie down on the Carpenter Factor. What we're trying to do is see what the Carpenter Factor is, and we're trying to look at each movie as a part of his overall filmography. Yeah, it's, I mean, we've got so many we've covered already so far. Uh, We're going through them all, like Corey said, and, you know, we have our own unique take on what works and what doesn't for for John's movies uh, and and his specific style and which movies hit all the bases, Halloween, and which ones don't. Someone's watching me, Mm -hmm. perhaps. (laughs) Spoiler alert. 
We didn't love that one, but we still but you should, we, it's it's still yeah. an important part of his filmography though. It sure is, and and I think you'll appreciate that. I know David Irons did. Yeah. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. So thank you all so much uh, for supporting the show. Like Zach said, if, uh, you know, times are tough, if you can't, um, you know, support us on Patreon, then please leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Those go a long way to helping out the show, uh, you know, get in front of new new listeners and everything. And, of course, check out all the shows on the BFOP network, Talking Back, Blast from Past, Action Action, uh, you know, uh, Return Revenge Resurrection, uh, Throwback Trivia Takedown, all bunch of cool stuff. And of course, check out all of our friends. Check out $2 Late Fee. Check out Ready to Retro. Check out Give Me Back My Action Movies. Give Me Back My Horror Movies. Uh, Cinema 9 uh, uh, Podcast. All bunch of great friends outside of the network that we love. And, and, and we appreciate all the support you give them as well. And as always, we'll catch you on the dark side. Be sure to subscribe to Podcasting After Dark and give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Support Podcasting After Dark on Patreon. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Podcasting After Dark. And visit us next time for another installment of Podcasting After Dark with Corey Stevenson and Zach Schaefer. Podcasting After Dark.